flirty? Oh, it's okay. I'm a man. <laughs> it's acceptable. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, welcome to the Nation uh, podcast. My, uh, my name is Eric Thoreau. Tom Jones. John Caramaris. And and John is a is a guest joining us this week. Um, he has a fan. We also know that we're also on uh, live stream at um, our Periscope cha- channel, uh, Periscope TV slash Nightman Nation. So it's at Nightman Nation. It's, it's linked to your Twitter feed. If you're following us on uh, Twitter, Nightman Nation, the, you should probably got the notice that we're going. So this week on the episode of the Nation, we're going to be discussing. Basically, um, the fan experience from our guest John here, who's um, hailing from Santa Cruz. Of course, you know, right now we're we're from San Jose. If you didn't hear us from last week, and basically we're going to be discussing with a little bit more SaberCat fans first. But as we grow as a show, we'll be expanding to other teams. We'll start regionally, like you know, like with Southern California, then reaching out to Phoenix and Portland fans as well. But we're taking this slowly. We want to try to get the things going going well. Uh, so we're going to do the fan experience on what John's experience was for the league and how he got involved in becoming a fan of the Arena Football League in general. And then we are going to talk about the A-team league that's broken down. Their schedule just recently came out. And then we're going to talk about Commissioner Batera. He's had one year under his belt in the, as commissioner in the league. We're going to do some thoughts on that. And then talk about the 2016 schedule and some possible road trips that we're going to go that at least Tom and I are going to go and represent the nation and get some fan feedback personally when we come out there to your city and meet you at, at your games. So go ahead, um, let's start with John. Go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is John Caramanis from Santa Cruz, California. I've been a Sabercats fan since 1995. Um, first year I went all by myself. Couldn't even get anybody to go to the game with me. My brother went to one game with me after uh, the first season. I moved my seats down from the nosebleed section to uh, a 50-yard line or 25-yard line view uh, right behind the broadcasters at uh, the Cat's Lair in uh, San Jose, California, and uh, sat there for the remaining 19 uh, seasons of of the uh, Sabercats. Could never get anybody to go with me the first year. Second year, my partner, Christine, joined us. And couldn't get rid of her the rest of the time. <laughs> she was with me every time. That's and good. That's good. Not, That's really not good. a football fan ever. Uh, she's English and uh, likes soccer. And now she's a dedicated Sabercats fan. Uh, soccer. So she was. Oh, soccer is the real football. 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 Yeah, a little different kind of football. A little bit different kind That's of football. It. So. Yeah, and there's speculation. I had some friends back east. They say, oh well, soccer is supposed to be football because you actually use your feet. And you can't use your hands. And they say our North American football that we play with, like the NFL and, and even the Canadian Football League and AFL, that's not football. That's hand egg because the shape of the ball looks like an egg. Yeah, but at least, I mean, is, if you use the foot against the ball the at any time, it's a big part of it, right? Yeah, that's it's a football. It. Yes. Oh, and if you're wondering why, you'll, you'll see some people where we are here broadcasting live on Periscope uh, from our hangout, the Blue Water Seafood and Crab. Blue Water Seafood and Crab, shout yep. out! It's a former sponsor for the San Jose Sabercats, so we got that going for us. And we're here again. We'll probably be hanging out at different spots throughout the, our different episodes as we make arrangements with local businesses here. So, anything further to discuss? Well, you know, I mean, as far as... Uh, 
there's a whole lot of uh, stuff going on, you know, good and bad, you know, in the Arena League, and it's kind of ironic how we're starting this podcast knowing that the uh, Sabercats are temporarily out of existence. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm confident that they're going to come back in 2017. Just not enough time to throw a new ownership involved. You know, uh, you know, as you know, in the past, San Jose has been a very good contributor uh, to the league. And, uh, I mean, I, I think the, you know, survival of the league long-term depends on strong cities like Arizona, who's been around for a while, you know, Florida, uh, you know, there's no doubt yeah. that Florida has been a good part of the Arena Football League for I such a long time. I honestly think Florida is the, like the king of the league, you know, like, you know, with the way that uh, the Tampa yeah. Bay Storm for MX, you know, wasn't really successful record-wise as far as for the playoffs last this past season, but they surpassed over 100,000 in attendance, and I think they're, they're always staple. strong. In Florida, they're always strong attendance-wise and support-wise, yeah. and I was just talking to Eric the other day and stuff. Wouldn't it be a riot? Wouldn't it be great to go to a, a Rattler, I mean, not a Rattlers, um, a, a Predators uh, Storm, Storm game, game. The war on I-4. Yeah, I mean, Which is now taken over as the the main arch travel game in yeah. the NFL. Before it was the Rattlers versus Sabercats. Yeah. You know, even though you could say that Orlando and Tampa Bay are, you know, the original teams before both the Rattlers and Sabercats existed, but, yeah, you know, but... But see, now we, you know, last year, uh, Eric and I went to uh, Portland, and... I'm telling you, Portland, for only having a team for the last couple of years, man, you you felt that dedication from the fans, and they, you know, they welcomed us. You know, we were the rivals. They welcomed us, and they, you know, they they, they brought us into their family and stuff and everything, and, you know, now we're actually some good friends with uh, some of the people there in Portland and stuff, so I see Portland as being, you know, loving their football, yeah. and, uh, you know, of course, Seattle, you know, everybody in Seattle liked the, the uh, shock. You mean Spokane? Spokane shot? Yeah, yeah. You know, Seattle. unfortunately, sorry about Spokane. You always think, whenever you think of Spokane, you always think Seattle because it's so close to there and, you know, the NFL yeah. influence that they have there and everything. But, uh, you know, it's good to actually see somebody other than Seattle uh, in that the state of Washington yeah. having such a big uh, you know, Following, influence. Yeah. Yeah, my thing is with Portland, you know, they were really, you know, like you said, really hospital, you know, we just barely walked up, you know, from getting our rental car and coming from the airport. So, you know, Tom and I were a little bit a little, a little bit fatigued, you know, from the game and at the same time we had a little bit of a, adrenaline pumping, you know, going to the Moda Center, trying to make sure we got there. Because, you know, it's my first time in Oregon, period. And their fans are great. They're even reflecting back before Portland Thunder. They're reflecting back to the Portland uh, Forest Dragons that were there beforehand. And they yeah. just say... Man, we hope this is not like another Forest Dragon event where we're here for a few years and then we're gone. We hope, and, and we had to, you know, as far as what I knew and maybe what Tom knew, that we knew that uh, Emirate, you know, who owns the Thunder, is into the league for a long-term stay. He's not just another sale-by-night owner. So he's committed. And so, so it's wondering that, you know, Tom and I went to, you know, Portland last year, John, um, and then we also went to Anaheim for the LA Kiss game. His first time down there. My second time down there for the two years the Kiss have been involved. What do you think of the possibility of you going to a road game maybe even next year, even though the Sabercats are not involved in going to the games? Yeah, on a weekend trip, I can, I can, I can. I'm looking forward to maybe hitting an LA uh, uh, Kiss game this year, um, possibly an Arizona game this year. And I'd probably be interested in the War on I-4 game, too. Oh, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If my schedule allowed oh, me to man. travel. I'd, if great. I go that one, I wouldn't have gone to go for two days. I'd go for a couple, three or four oh, yeah. extra days. Yeah. Spend some time in 
in, in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, see, originally Tom and I were discussing going to, uh, to uh, either Tampa or Orlando, maybe more Orlando. I do have a friend that stays out there in, in Lakeland, which is sort of like right in the middle on I-4 between Orlando and Tampa. And he actually um, was out here in San Jose because he played for the, the so-called, you know, the non-nameless San Jose Wolves, you know. They were here for that one year for 2010, you know, and he played for him, but... Besides the, the league and the team, you know, trying to imitate and trying to take over the Sabercats domain for that one year, uh, him personally and some of the other players on the on the Wolves are great people. We met them; they're great people. Uh, especially this guy Antonio Cersei, we've become really good friends. He's out there in Lakeland doing his thing right Didn't now. Didn't they play in Stockton for like the one or two years? They played the in Wolves? Stockton the second year. The second. Year. And then they folded because the owner did some things legally, got in trouble. So, so basically, so. My thing is, I was actually getting ready to call my buddy Antonio in, in, in Florida. I said, hey, my buddy Tom and I, I don't think you met Tom, but my buddy Tom and I are planning to make a, a trek out there. Now, this past week while at work, I was thinking, you know, maybe since we're just getting this thing launched, and you know, last time, maybe we should just like hold back, you know. We know that is a classic, you know, you know, rivalry between the two teams. But um, maybe we should just hold back and just stick and concentrate. To, if we're going to go on the road trips, West Coast, stay on the West Coast. And initially, we're going to go to four games and keep the four game promise up, quota. But now I'm thinking even the, the last game that I have Cleveland Gladiators at the LA Kiss towards the end of the season, I think like July 16th or something like that. Uh, let's not even do that game because that way we could go. We could say we hit every single. We hit Anaheim. We hit Phoenix, and then we hit Portland. So we hit all three games, all three of the West Coast teams, even though they moved Cleveland into the National Conference now to equal out. So it's four teams in each of the, the conferences, so it's equal now. Um, even though when they do the playoff seats, the conferences don't mean anything. And we'll get to the, uh, the playoff seats in a little bit. Um, so I'm thinking, okay, let's just do the three teams in the West Coast, at least in our time zone. And... Um, and then on the fourth game, we can have that as being budgeted for wherever the Reno Bowl may or may not be. You know, so it's like if the Reno Bowl is in Phoenix, fine, it's in Phoenix. If it's in Arizona, if it's in Portland, it's in Portland. But if it happens to be like in, in Cleveland or Philadelphia or Tampa, Jacksonville, you know, Orlando, if it's in the, one of the East Coast cities, then that way we could have not gone to four games in the regular season. We can kind of budget, but then still have the money-wise and budget to going towards that. Yeah. at the end of the season and that's the longest way now as far as for me just actually just last night as we were recording this on a Saturday the 12th just last night I had my what's called work bid we had to bid for my, my work schedule coming up the next month and every once a year at the end of the year like in December right now we do what's called a general sign up to where we only not only work on do our bids for our work assignments for the next three months but we also do um vacation bits we we schedule our, our week off for our vacation throughout the whole year and I get three weeks next year and I planned already one week the first week I took off was for the first game that Tom and I go which we'll discuss later on when we get down to this the road trips and what and 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 talk about that so so I'm already set on my part as far as we're being committed to going these road trips so you know the thing is we're excited to meet these new fans I've already, I've been going to Phoenix I, actually, this past season, the 2015 season, my first year, I missed a trip to Phoenix for financial reasons because 
Southwest, and that's my main carrier that I fly out of, was, and the only one that really serviced, you know, Sky Harbor from Mineta nonstop, and it was a little bit too pricey for me. So instead, I alternated to that, and then went down to Anaheim. Actually, Tom and I drove down there, and then, you know, we flew up to um, Portland and went there. So that's... And, I, and I've been to uh, Phoenix as well in the past. I actually went to the uh, Arena Bowl. Sabercats and uh, Arizona Rattlers. Reno Bowl 18. Yeah. 2004. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, that was uh, that was a that was that was a fun, fun situation. And then, you know, they have actually have a really good arena out there, especially yeah. since they kind of they they built renamed it. Out. it. It's yeah. renamed now. Yeah. Is it the uh, Indian uh, Reservation? It's a uh, Talking Stick Resort Casino yeah. Reno. There's someone down Talking Stick Resort yeah. Arena. So it's no longer U.S. Airways because U.S. Airways got bought out by American Airlines, and I guess the naming rights also were expired. So. This actually, the renaming of the arena actually transpired before last season took place, but they didn't make it official because they had to go out the contract. So now it's Talking Stick Resort Arena, and a friend of mine even verified that. Interesting you know. name, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, Talking Stick is one of the main you know casinos out there. Yeah. It's in, it's actually um, Scottsdale, and it's called Scottsdale Boulevard out there, or Scottsdale Road out there. I forget because I went by it before. I, I managed to hit a couple of Chicago Rush games. I had an office in Chicago for a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, nice. So when I when I couldn't hit a Sabercats game, I'd hit, the, hit a Rush game, particularly when the Sabercats played in Chicago, too. I'd always how, how was that arena out there? It was an All-State arena. It was All-State's entire old arena. Uh -huh. It's a smaller arena. It's a basketball arena. Mainly. Is it? A, okay, so smaller. Would you, What would you compare it to? I know we have limited... Stockton. Oh, Stockton, okay. Seats about 12,000. Okay. Stockton, okay. Yeah. Kind of the same kind of feel? You know, Stockton's more homey, I thought. Ah, okay. Uh, it, was, it was a little bit more, you know, two-layer, you know, two, two tiers. Yeah. And uh, not, not quite as not quite as home, homey as uh, Stockton. I like Stockton Arena. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what? I do. And you know, the thing is, it's like during the uh, arena, not to change the subject or anything, but during the Arena Bowl, the championship game, and, uh, you know, I know... Uh, some fans came over for, from Arizona. Yes. Uh, Gary being one of them, right? Yeah. He was there. I uh, saw him in passing. I didn't really get a chance to stop by. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it really felt like a yeah. small version. Yes. A small version of... In fact, if I remember Gary correctly from his post and everything, he did even more extracurricular activities that we did. He went to like the awards assembly oh, the media uh, on day. Thursday night, the media day and everything. So, uh, so that's good. Well, unfortunately with like, you know, with it, say like Arizona coming here and it, them being the, the road team. So when somebody comes out here for a main game, which is the conference championship game, and the right to do whatever, you know, for the Arena Bowl, whether Arizona's going to host it or maybe I think the other option was go to Philadelphia. And um, the only time they were hosting was they was hosting Jacksonville like the way we did. And um, they're going to they're gonna spend X amount of dollars getting out there. Yeah. Now, I know that some of the, a lot of the, the Rattler fans I talked to that, or the few of the Rattler fans I talked to out there, um, they flew into, like, the SFO, and then they made, like, the hour and a half or two-hour trek, whatever it is, to major traffic and all hell, because, you know, San Francisco International is not really in the city of San Francisco. Oh, yeah, It's yeah. about, like, a 20 south. minutes south, yeah. like, near Burlingame. And, um, and they made that, so, but I asked also a lot of them, saying, well, couldn't you fly, like, I think it was Alliance Airlines? You know, they, they fly from, like, Mesa Airport out there. Do they go straight to Oakland or, or no, Sacramento? They, they fly from Stockton. Mesa straight oh, to Stockton. Stockton? Yeah. And it's like they're only maybe like $60 each way. Wow. It's very cheap. I know like you $46 know call, to call Las Vegas. naive, but I did not know that Stockton actually had like a... No, we, we passed it up on the Interstate 5. I 
for some reason I just didn't. Th- I always think Sacramento. You know, they got their yeah. They got an international you know, airport. Yeah, but uh, I, I just I didn't think that Stockton had uh, you know like big flights coming in. Well, Stockton would be like I guess it could be a, a hair smaller than maybe Monterey Airport. Yeah. Um, it could be probably equivalent to Lake Tahoe. Okay. You know, it could probably handle commercial liners yeah, like Southwest Reno. and American and all that stuff, but it's not marketed for it, and it's, it's not really a, a travel destination airport. Yeah. You but know? they have they have airlines like you know. Well, they have like commercial a, airlines. They have a, a, a alliance, you know, which is a commercial airline. Yeah. But there's like smaller airlines, you know. They're not the big conglomerates like. And the they Southwest. fly. You can fly them out of like some of the larger airports. Absolutely. It depends on wow. where the where the airlines are contracted to. Yeah. Because yeah. the larger airports will charge more for landing fees. Yeah. And San Jose charges a lot of money for landing fees. That's mm-hmm. why some of the airlines. You know, don't come here, or they have limited, you know, access. Or it's here. more expensive. But recently, with with our new mayor, that's changing. At least with the international, we got what Al Nepon here and A Airlines. We got um, Lufthansa's going to start. British Airways is going to start. Lufthansa's going to start to um, to Germany, Frankfurt, nonstop. San Jose to Frankfurt. Wow. Uh, British Airways nonstop to London Heathrow. Air Canada's coming back. They used to be here, mm-hmm. and they're going to do nonstop from San Jose to Vancouver. Wow! So you know that's good. It's, things are working, but you know domestically, I like to see more availability. Like when I was checking airline flights the other day to go to Sky Harbor, there's hardly any. You know, for was I think the, like the one game, or two a day or something? Like two or three games, yeah. And and the price was kind of up there. I mean, actually, I got it here on my Google Drive here. The May 21st game is the game that we're planning on going. Yeah, and it's like $270 round trip for Tom and I to fly each wow. individual. And wait, wait a second. This is the wrong one. This is the LA Kiss game. Hold on a second. Arizona Rattlers. Yeah, it's, oh, it's $304 to Sky Harbor from San Jose. And uh, we're like 10.30 in the morning from San Jose, get to Sky Harbor at 12.15, and then uh, San Jose come back at 3.50 p.m. So... And that's leaving not the next day. That's coming on Friday, coming come back to San Jose on on a Sunday. So you know, and airfield the fuel, the, the fuel for the jets it has gone down the price too. So you thought they would lower the prices too, but yeah, that's why we sort of when we talked about doing our budgeting for our road trips next year, you know, to limit it down, you know, so and keep it there. And I mainly go southwest because I have you know a lot of points built up for it, and I don't want to keep getting those points. So maybe it'll benefit me for when the Marina Bowl comes around. That if it is on the East Coast, maybe I can yeah. get a free round trip or at least a free one-way trip. And same yeah. with Tom, he can start accumulating points too more. Yeah. Be good. So, so far we got, we still got like two, but this is still new. I know we're switching over from Meerkat that we did two weeks ago to um, to Periscope, and I think Periscope might be the better thing. But Well, also, you know, when we also schedule things and on time and do all that, and we set up, and we're all like, everything's coordinated, and we promote it and all that, I think more people will join yeah. uh, video-wise. Um, for those who are following us on uh, as we're recording this podcast for our SoundCloud.com slash Ninth Man Nation, and for those watching, the two people that are watching on our Periscope live stream, I just basically joined this account yesterday, literally. Wow. And um, But basically what it is is um, I have, if you go to NinthManNation.net, which is our official website, so it's number 9, T-H-M-A-N Nation. Net. I do have a page on there for the calendar. It's hooked up to a special Google calendar that I embedded on the page. And I post up there the event. So, like, 
I will post up some talking notes that we're we're going to have for the show. But I think I even posted that we're supposed to have a former player come here. For I didn't hear back yesterday from him yesterday. We have, but we do have players lined up already. I even have a coach lined up to be on the show later. I'm working on a, a team president, CEO. So maybe we'll get him. I'm working on getting uh, maybe Brian Fox to come on. Hopefully he'll come on and he, we'll talk to him about how he got how he got involved with the LA Kiss and his experiences from the past years. Even from the Avengers. He was, from the he's Avengers. Back the Avengers days. Yes. Yeah. So he helped out Casey Watson and. At the Avengers, so maybe we, we, he could share his experiences and his passion. He has a true passion for the game, and he loves it back. You know, of course, he wish he'll, for him it'll be easier if it was still playing at the Staples Center because he's from that area. Yeah, he's not from Anaheim, which is like the distance between San Jose and San Francisco. And see, it's like it's hard to to uh, understand that when you go in Southern California. It's like, oh, okay, you know. Honda Center, Staples Center, oh, it's all Southern California. But Southern California is just not like right down the street from each other. You know, it's like there's highways and freeways and interchanging, and it's like 45 minutes, two hours. At, at least, if you get yeah. a decent traffic where you're going at least 35 miles an hour on the freeway, on the 5, yeah. you could get to L.A. In, in a half an hour, 45 minutes, if yeah. you're lucky. So so to move on, let's go ahead and let's Keep talk. Keep the agenda. Let's the agenda. Uh, okay, we're going to talk about the A-Team League. So, basically, we got the A-Team League. So, just to break it down, there's been additional realignment again because of the disappearance of the Sabercats. So, they balanced it out. And, of course, they took the, the westernmost teams and put them in the National Conference. So, you got the Arizona Rattlers. You got the, the L.A. Kiss of Anaheim. <laughs> um, and then you got the Portland Thunder. And then joining the National Conference is the, um, the Cleveland Gladiators. So the, if this was a conference if they were to do the playoffs like they've done in the past, you know, the top seeds in the conference, those are the four teams that would be going at. In the American Conference, you got the Philadelphia Soul, Tampa Bay Storm, Orlando Predators, and Jacksonville Sharks. So those are the four teams in the American Conference. Now, if you're doing eight teams and you're going to split them all like that, fine, I can see that's how that would make sense. Some kind, sometimes common sense on that. You know, as far as for geographic location that you would team them up like that. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, now, as far as for when things go in the playoffs, uh, they've already confirmed that all eight teams automatically are going to be in the playoffs. Seeding one through eight. So top seed plays the number one and number eight seed. Number two plays number seven. Three plays six. And four plays five like normal. And, of course, the top seed will be the home team. The top four teams will be the home team. The lower four teams will be the road trip teams. So that's how it's going to be. And uh, that makes it, four, what, four games being played? And then you got those winners will go down and it cuts down to two games, which is uh, basically the, uh, you would normally say the, the conference championships normally. But with this, this because this is tournament style that they're dealing with, so that would be what the two teams would be like the semifinal, or the you yeah. know, well considered now be the semifinal instead Champions of conference Chip. championships, and then yeah. the final is now the Arena Bowl. This is the way it was in the very beginning to begin with, like in the eighties, in the eighties, yeah, and even in the nineties, early nineties, because we were playing Arizona in the yeah. same conference, yeah, in two Arena Bowls where they took the, the best two teams. And they, put people, up, they team up against each other. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people thought that that was the best way to go because you always have the, the, the best two teams. But, but then the like problem the is, but isn't it, wasn't it, is because Arizona and San Jose 
were like playing each other every year or whatever. Well, that's one. That's or? that's one of the reasons why they they split it up. Yeah. You know, yeah, they or not they already split the Rattlers and, and Sabercats up, but we were still in the same division. But they they split up the format on how they did it. Yeah. So, which is more standardized. The format they've been doing it is basically actually more standardized in sports than yep. before. You know, so that's why they're trying to market themselves to do it that way. Of course, you know, historically, you, you, you break up the, the rivalry that was the Sabercats and the Rattlers, and everybody said, oh, the real Reno Bowl wasn't Sabercats versus Jacksonville, it was Sabercats versus Rattlers at the Stockton Arena. Yeah. In and some from, ways, that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from a point standpoint, way it was only decided by three points. And, and yeah, that's, that's how you, you want You want a tough back-to-forth game. You don't want to say, oh, the Sabercats are going to win by 60 points, or the Rattlers are going to win by 60 points. Because then you're like, by the third quarter or fourth quarter, you're like, oh, why am I still here? You know, yawning. Because yeah. you know, the game's already basically been decided. Because of the point, even though in arena football, that that could be narrowed down, not 30 points but or 60 points in one quarter. But yeah, maybe that will be a new record to go for somebody <laughs> to score 60 points in one quarter. <laughs> yeah. So basically, okay, well, we don't have really a time that we'll just go with the flow on this. I know we're like at a 25-minute mark just right now. Uh, we've still got two people on, on Periscope. Uh, so basically, that's the 18s. That's the playoff breakdown, and that's how things are going to go. Um, I know they start off with the war on I-4 right on the opening seat, opening night with, um, was it, I think, Tampa Bay at Orlando. No, or, or Orlando at Tampa Bay. I think it's one of the two. I have um, right now on the Ninth Man uh, Nation calendar on the website. I have the first two weeks posted of the schedules. So if you ever need to fall back and find what the schedule is, that's on there. And of course, as the games get a final score, I'll have the final scores on the schedule. Orlando at Tampa Bay. Was it Orlando? Okay, Orlando, yeah. Tampa Bay. So they're gonna start out there. Arizona, Portland, Philadelphia, Cleveland. That's all on Friday. And then uh, Saturday, April 2nd, Jacksonville Sharks at uh, LA Kiss. So, so there you have it, week one. Yeah, and of course now... <laughs> well, like, it's going to be a max four games, and there's going to be um, a 16-week game this year with two bye, and one of the um, bye weeks is mandated like it was this past season on July 4th. What are your thoughts of them doing like now a league mandate so all the team, basically the team, the whole league stops on July 4th weekend? What do you think, John? With, with eight teams, you almost have to do that. No way, you know, you just take a vacation. It's, but it's, if we had, say, like, say we had like 50 teams and they still all did that. No, I, I think I think I think you really need to look at um, readjusting the schedule, giving everybody. Um, if you're going to have two two buys, everybody will buy equally during the season, and then. If, you know, July 4th is a tough deal to get people to come to a football game. So I, I, I do agree with, you know, suspending the games for that particular um, day, yeah. that weekend. What do you think, Tom? Well, um, if there's a lot of teams and it's a long season, I think it's okay to have split of the buys, kind of like the, the way the NFL does it. Um, it's kind of good that you have all the teams taking a break all at one time. That way, you can never say there's advantage one way or another. Right. Um, so you know, and, and you know, like you had mentioned, um, you know, Fourth of July, it may be challenging because people are celebrating, 
uh, to you know go to games and everything. And if it was outside, you could say Fourth of July fireworks and all that. But inside an arena, it doesn't really work. So yeah, I, I'm for. They, they tried. Yeah, yeah they I know tried. they tried. They tried. It oh, is that the one with the fans? The fan almost <laughs> got came cut on fire the or field something. And it bounced up. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Good, so uh, not good in an arena, people. Yeah, so like week 14 is the universal buy for July 4th, according to the schedule here. And then you got open dates in week 4 with uh, Portland Thunder and Tampa Bay Storm. You got open dates for week 7, Jacksonville Shark, LA Kiss. And then week 17, Orlando Predators, Philadelphia Soul. And week 18, Arizona Rattlers and Cleveland Gladiators. You know, so. Having a bye on the basically of the last week of regular season, I think that's kind of bad for any team. Yeah. Because, you know, they're going all season long. They're going to inquire injuries, sickness, or whatever they're going to have. They're going to be fatigued in the year long, especially like if it's like Arizona, because they also have a, a, a bad thing because their practice facility, last time I checked, was outdoors uh, in that Phoenix heat. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. You know, that's not good. If things are changing for this upcoming season, they're going to indoors, which I would think they would go somewhere indoors, like to make like a one of those indoor soccer arenas that they have for you know for. Well, remember, remember uh, the SaberCats? They had the indoor facility. Yeah. They just basically took the outdoor field and they covered it with tarp. Now I don't know if they can. Maybe they could pump AC in there and kind of cool it off and everything, but it's it's not it's not a big task to put a big tent outside. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Yeah, the Cats had to remove that because um, they were practicing, they practiced facility, they rent space off of a, a middle school in the, in the area. Yeah. The neighbors around the middle school were complaining about it. You know, no matter how nice it looked. <laughs> you know, so you can't please everybody. You, you know, know what, so. paint flowers on the outside and <laughs> put a couple of forest trees and everything and stuff. It's like, man. So, let's see what else we're going to talk about next is, uh, I guess, Commissioner Butera, Scott Butera. So he's he's done one year now. He's got one year under his belt. Um, a lot of people are on top of him and saying this is you know basically the death of the league and all that stuff. For any, no matter how the league wasn't situated, whether we have eight, like the eight teams now or whether we are going strong with 32 teams or whatever, for commission to come in and and to do whatever necessary to to where the fans see action right away, I think it's kind of you know jumping the gun. I think you know. I haven't gotten to too many commissioner talks with him, but I know John will get with them a little bit. Uh, has called him, and he has returned calls, which one is a good thing. Yeah, that, that's unusual, actually. Yeah, and we'll do that comparison with Purse and Halwes and then, you know, with um, Baker back in the heydays. But um, I think that Butera took this first year as an assessment thing. He didn't want to make too many changes. He basically wanted the league to run as is. He made a few corrections here and there, and things... Um, surmounted to where things had to be done with a couple teams, you know, having ownership that really couldn't afford themselves into the league anymore. Uh, And then we're talking, you know, like New Orleans and Spokane. Um, Now, as far as for Las Vegas, issue arose to where the main principal financer, who's from Southern California, you know, Vince Neal wasn't the main guy behind that thing. You know, he was just uh, the forefront media guy because he's, you know... He was the poster child. Poster child, Motley Crue. Yeah. You know? So, basically... Which, 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 you know, it's like... The question that I have is, if the LA Kiss didn't join the league with their ownership, would he even be involved? 
it's almost like, you know, like, it's almost like, not really copycat, but, you know, you see kind of like a rock band, you know, ownership situation, and then all of a sudden it's like everyone else. And I know you had Bon Jovi in the past and some of those, but the question is, it's like, would Vegas, it's always interesting, if Al didn't come into the play, would Vegas have come in being with the ownership of, you know, that they had because of the whole rock thing, you know, it's like... I, I have some some different views on that. I think that initially they, they, they looked at this becoming a rock and roll type um, venue. Now the thing is, it's like you got to be careful because you don't want to be like the XFL, right? Where the XFL kind of seemed more of a WWF of the NFL. Yeah. So you got to be careful because if you don't play that whole WWF and you know WWF, as you know. They are a marketing machine, right? I mean, what? What over at Levi Stadium? With the last WrestleMania, ten thousand dollars for some of those seats. So they know what they're doing, right? And I've also noticed that LA, they do a lot of marketing stuff, and they know marketing, right? Because they're whole behind that and everything. That's what Gene Simmons is known for, is marketing. Yeah, so it's like, so of course, it's like when you take a look at LA, it's like in a short amount of time, they've done a lot. They've done a lot of things to show that they are experts. And, you know, we're from a sales background, right? So well, you see that and everything. Oh, okay, also, you know. the thing is, it's like, um, okay, from Gene Simmons, you had the three principal owners with the LA Kiss. Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, and Doc McGee. Now, people are like, what's Doc McGee have to do with Kiss Rock Group? Doc McGee is Kiss manager, business manager. So he's part of it. So you have those three out of the entire band. Okay, so you have those three, and then if you take a look at those three, the only experience they had about the arena football, besides possibly you know watching a few games here and there, whether it be back in the day when the Avengers were playing the Staples or any other that uh, the teams that were around, is playing the concert show at the Arena Bowl the year before in Orlando. You know, and they decided you know they want to be a part of the team. Now I'm not sure if they already had decided, and that's just when they made it public, you know, to, to launch in it because. I know when they did the the media day there at Orlando for the Arena Bowl that the Kiss already had a helmet design with their logo on it, so I'm sure they were more prepared and they were faster to get their branding out there onto any kind of arena football gear or whatever have you to show that, hey, we're here, we're going to be here strong. <coughs> After um, I talked to um, Joe Wyndham last year down in Anaheim at their, one of the Kiss's postgame spots at Tilted Kill. They they they're gonna be there for a long time. They I thought originally they had maybe luckily maybe like a four or five year lease agreement with the Honda Center. Joe said no, they have ten years. Yeah. So to, and that's showing that they're very committed. Now, but going back to the starting of the of the team, the Kiss, is that they brought in someone who was supposedly like a, a great veteran to the league, Brett Bucci, and the Bucci clan. You know, Brett Bucci had his stint for like a, a couple years with Arizona moved east to Orlando <coughs> and, and, excuse me, and, and became more known through the Orlando Predators and his ownership there. And now suddenly, you know, then at the course the Arena Bowl, he announces that he's resigning and he's selling his, his share to the, his partner. And that went that all went south, you know, as things went haywire for Orlando. They had to move to a college arena that's nowhere near Orlando. <laughs> you know, crazy. so... Basically, or Brett Bucci came by and came back and partnered up with Kiss. 
and uh, I'm thinking maybe that made more more of like a Hollywood spectacle spectacle for Brett. You know, and he saw the ho- the Hollywood opportunity. Yeah. yeah. You know, who knows? And also, he is originally from the Phoenix area, so maybe that's also another reason to get to from Anaheim to to uh, Phoenix. It's like, like a six hour drive. Yeah, but so it's closer to family and home. But also, it's like you know, with LA. Now's a perfect opportunity for arena football because for such a long time, NFL has not been in Southern California except for, you know, the Chargers, right? But as far as, like, L.A. area and stuff. So it's like, you know what? you gotta you got to rack in any type of yeah. interest right now. You can't let so, the USC yeah, Trojans and UCLA Bruins be the main yeah, focus because, point of football, period. you know what? Soon, maybe 2017, most likely... You're going to have two teams in the L.A. market. Well, it's a brand new. Yeah. Two, 2017, you know, soon, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, while you can, you got to snatch up as many people who are, you know, like wanting football to go. And, you know, arena football, you, you can't really compare arena football to NFL, outdoor or indoor. You can't really compare them, but... Because they're two different situations, you know? Right. But, uh, you know, it's like, it's a good opportunity right now to just, like, well, feed really, in as much as you can. Getting, getting back to the commissioner, uh, yeah. Scott Patera. Yes. He, you have to give him a little bit of wiggle room for his first season. Yeah. There's some, there's some, there's some decisions he made that not really um, made a lot of people happy. Right. Some of them are pretty dumb, in my opinion. But there's some things that he's done that have been pretty right, too. And you know, I just I just think that he has a plan where, like like Eric said, he's sitting back and he's looking and he wants to see. Instead of coming and making all these wholesale changes and ticking a lot of people off, he, I think he's made some assessments. I think we're going to see some major changes coming in. We've seen some new sponsorships come in, some changing in the sponsorships, uh, and that really is the lifeblood of, of the AFL. I mean the NFL and. Uh, in all sports, is you know you need those those big dollars coming in yeah. to help support the league. Um, so when you have that kind of you know maybe some kind of planning behind, because I don't really believe the league has really had a lot of advanced planning. I mean, in my opinion, they've always flown by the seat of their pants, and they've let the owners kind of take charge of what they were going to do in the area. Now, I, I think that what the league has got to take take care in standardizing. The finances of the team, so we don't we don't lose two, three teams every year. And I and I think Scott's making these these moves to do this. Yeah, no, that, that that's good. And you know, um, I'm I and you know, you could talk to uh, Eric on this. I don't have Tourette syndrome, where I throw out bad words and this and that and everything. But sometimes I'll like text you, Eric, or I'll say something, and I'll let my emotions take over and you probably I'm kind of heckle and jekyll sometimes when it comes to that stuff I, maybe I you know maybe I'm you're young so you have to like you have to you have to bring me back down to like you know earth sometimes or whatever so it's like being part of the Sabercats fanship and knowing that the Sabercats had this headbutting going on and this conflict and all this and everything it'd be very easy for me to jump on the Sabercat ownership bandwagon and say, you know what, man, you know, everything that, you know, the new commissioner's done is this, that, and everything, and the whole league, and this, and that, and everything, but you know what, but this might surprise you, I'm stepping back, and I'm saying, you know what, like what you're saying, first year, 
this and that and everything. And with this whole ownership thing, do you want to like, do you want to get the big time owners, like the NBA ownership, the you know NHL ownership, and go with that kind of plan, which it looks like it's going in that direction, which is long term stability, or do you want to have not so much Bob's used tires as the ownership behind it, but do you want to still be playing in the little league, or do you want to kind of take it to the next level, right? So for the long-term stability of the league and to ensure that it's not going to go bankrupt and everything, if it's taken, weeding out different ownership that maybe is not the right kind of fit where they can actually sustain themselves, but as a whole, it's not going to happen, then maybe you need somebody to kind of go in balls, balls first, balls all, and really like change things and shake things up. And if it comes down going to eight teams one year and then building uh, solidity and stability, then, you know, so be it and everything. So it's going to be very interesting what happens in the league the next couple of years. Whether, you know, there's talk about international, there's talk about domestic, there's talk about, you know, bringing it in and seeing what that kind of game plan is. So that's yeah. kind of my, I would say Clean stick house. behind the commissioner. Yeah. Stick behind them this year and stuff. See what happens and everything. Maybe... Our emotions, don't let your emotions drive it. Sit back. And this comes a lot from, you know, three guys who are diehard Sabercats fans who aren't really playing in the league, and we're having to leech on and get our fix on other, you know, other organizations this year and stuff. That says a lot from Including our SoCal rivals and our arch rivals rallies. But, yeah, you know. yeah. But, but, but well, I have to agree with everything you've said, Tom. And, and, and I, I still think the key to the whole arena football is having a say in the venue's programming. Oh, yeah. Because because what happened to Sabercats this year, having to play the championships game in the Arena Bowl out of the area because yeah. of a circus yeah. for years and years and years, says that the people who run the arena don't didn't really buy into the San Jose Sabercats. Oh, yeah. If they had a financial interest with it. There, it, it there's oh, a, yeah. really a, a catch with that thing. See, now, go back to the day when the San Jose Arena was first built and open to whoever wants to come in and rent, rent it, okay? The first, very first tenant wasn't the San Jose Sharks, even though it was purposely built for them, because their season didn't start technically till like a month and a half later, when it opened up and it was ready for use. The first occupant of the team was the circus, Ringing Barlin Bailey Circus. So, and they've had that same week every year. So they're looking from their business standpoint that they're going to be in a specific area when they do their tour around the country. They have the same week of the year, and it's consistent. There's two so weeks. Or two weeks. Why they have two weeks for SAP Center, and then only maybe like a week well, it's in Oakland very, and a week in Cow yeah. Palace? We well, don't know. it's a business. It's a business situation. It's a money-making. They yeah. figured out that most it's it's beneficial for them to do that. Plus, also, the the San Jose Arena, we're not, I'm not going to do you know sponsorships on the name. But I'm going to call them for what they are. The San Jose Arena That's is, at, especially at the time, was a, a brand-new facility, state-of-the-art facility in the heart of Silicon Valley, and the capital city of Silicon Valley, San Jose. And to have your event in San Jose, which is now the 10th largest city in the country, is a good thing for and, and the fact that we have over a million people in the city of San Jose and close to around 4 million in the Santa Clara Valley, a.k.a. Silicon Valley, is a big deal. And then, of course, they'll, they'll cater to the little city north called San Francisco, which Cal Palace is not in San Francisco. It's actually in, in Daly City. And then you got the other city in the East Bay, 
which has like 500, 600,000 in Oakland. So just so you can minimize the commute to make it more of a regional event. You know, so now going back to that, the, also the fact that it could be to say that this was the, the fault of the league on when they do their scheduling. They have to not only look at just the Sabercats and say, okay, let's work with the Sabercats. When is, their, when is their arena open to when they don't have to worry about the Sharks and when the Shark season ended and the rest of the Open, they don't have any other events? Because the San Jose Arena, uh, for the past like four years, until last like four years, was the second busiest arena, not in the country, but in the world, behind the O2 in London, England. Now it's like the top five arena in the country because there's been other facilities remodeling and, and branding themselves and other arenas being built. Like coming up in a couple years, it'll be Golden One Center in Sacramento. And it'll be a new facility. People want to check that thing out. So, But San Jose Arena is still the top sporting venue attraction in the country, period. Mm-hmm. And when the Arena Football League came out, comes out with their schedule, they have to you say, okay, well, the Sabercats could play at the arena, boom, 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 these dates. Then they go say, okay, the Rattlers could play at their arena, boom, 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 then this day. Because the Rattlers also have the same thing where they have to share... U.S. Airways Center or the, the the Phoenix Arena Memorial Arena with not only just the Phoenix Suns but the Phoenix Mercury, you know the WNBA. Yeah, there's been speculation saying, well, why doesn't um, the Rattlers go move to Glendale and play in in the Glendale Arena there next to University of Phoenix Stadium, you know, Gila Center, where the Coyotes play, because they built it. And if you look from um, from a more perspective size. That Gillow Center in Glendale will make more of a feasible thing than the U.S. Airway Centers did. Only because it's a bigger arena, it's more built for the hockey. Uh, when the Kylies first moved uh, down to Phoenix, they played in U.S. Airway Center, and that's why they had to build Gillow, because U.S. Airway Center wasn't really truly built for a full-fledged hockey center. You know, it was more built for you know, the Suns. That came out of the Memorial Coliseum and went moved to downtown, and they're trying to you know centralize everything to downtown Phoenix, which is a nice area, very nice area, nice restaurants, good scene. Um, you got you know Chase One Field there with uh, the Diamondbacks right there. So now Glendale has their little scene where they had the football stadium and now an arena there. So you know, and also you know from a player standpoint, you would think you know it could be safer to have the arena football game in Glendale because the the arena would be bigger and there'd be carpet. Like you know, sometimes I get worried for. Not just from a, you know the Sabercat player standpoint, but from also the Rattler point. When they're running and they're going to catch a ball, there's that corner of the end zone that you go from carpet straight onto concrete, and, yeah, you, and your right. traction is completely different. Yeah. I'm surprised someone hasn't broken a back or a leg or some kind of major injury yeah. happened that. And there's another arena that happened like that too. I, I forget who it was, but but those other arenas they did actually in, in Orlando when they were playing at the college arena for a year, but that was just for that one year. They're back at Amway Center, which is a bigger arena. So, going back to availability of schedule, I think the fact that when they moved the schedule of arena football to start way in late March, when it used to start like a week or two right after the, the Super Bowl, right. to keep the football thing going and feeling going, which is a good thing, um, that's what messed it up, at least for the, from the Sabercat perspective. Because it was it. always started in February, didn't it? Yep. Yes, we, I remember February, we yeah. went to the arena bowl July 27th. Yeah. And now it's like Which kind of made sense because once August hits, people are thinking NFL and stuff, and you're, it, it's kind of bleeding into that area. Yeah. You know, it's like if you. So I, I, I never understood why they put it to where, like, boom, 
right NFL back to back. You know, it's like right there. Yeah. So you know, and when I was talking to Steve Watson, who's uh, well, they just recently had their elections in the the players union, but he was the executive vice president for the players union. We we had a conversation. Some of the conversation, I said, well, wouldn't it be a great idea to move the league back towards you know the middle of February, end of February, the latest? And he looked at it and said, well. We would have an issue with that because of the arenas renting out to, you know, the college basketball and the NCAA tournament and the, the viewership and all that stuff. I said, well, if you're looking from a perspective, that's when the AFL season is just barely kicking off. So fans are making the transition, you know, from the NFL, and they may need a little bit of a break from football for a little bit because of financials where from spending that billions of billions of dollars they have to spend to go to an NFL game, you know, or travel if they're going to fan stuff. That's a transition, and it's the beginning of the season. As you pair, if you go and have the league end in August the way it does now, and you worry about the NFL starting up again for the preseason and dealing with that, that's just a preseason of the NFL. But NFL is such a, a, a monster house right now. People will say, screw the AFL, I'm going to the yeah. NFL now, that's back. Yeah. I'm going back to so-called real football, you know, the outdoor game. I'm going to my tickets, we're going to spend all this money towards them, and spend the money towards their league and their local teams. So, and that and that time of the AFL season, that's the prime time for the AFL season because it's the leading to the playoff race, getting in the playoffs, and it's the Arena Bowl. You know, if the playoffs, at least if the playoffs and the Arena Bowl were available before the NFL preseason, and it, and then you had like a maybe a week or two gap between the Arena Bowl and the very first ever preseason game for the NFL, then that'll make more sense. You know, but and then to overlap it as far as for at, at the start of the season to have it to where yeah you're you may be missing a few games here and there but it's just barely the kickoff of the league, league for the Arena Football League and you know you want the main traction where all the fans are intense and the and the games the rivalries are are in the heart and thick of things in the season and the season's underway and it's in the heart you rather risk the beginning of the season than to risk the championship game plus to be honest with you. The Arena Football League right now is not as big as in the heyday. When they were packing the arena to where they opened up the whole upper reserve, the whole lower reserve, they didn't block out with curtains half of the arena, right? All of the uh, uh, food places were open. It kind of, It's almost like a barometer, right? Back in the day, you had almost... Now, I know the San Jose Arena at the time... I think that was even before the Compact Center, 2002, when the Sabercats yeah. went to their first Arena Bowl. Well, it was Compact Center at San Jose. That was 16,000 packed yeah. fans. That was capacity, right? In all honesty, to the league, the league has shrunk after the whole, you know, breaking down the league and stuff. So it actually, in all honesty, it makes more sense. It felt more like a, a filled-up crowd and stopped it than it yeah. did in San Jose. In San Jose, if it was in San Jose, and I still wish it was in San Jose, right? Because that's the home. And we're San Jose Sabercats, not the Stockton Sabercats, right? But in all honesty and stuff today, we fill up uh, Stockton Arena. And, um, but San Jose, it's too big of a venue today yeah. for arena football, right? And Until they make those drastic changes and the ownerships involved the big time ownerships involved in the arenas when they start buying into it and now they're saying you know what hey we own the sharks 
and we own the Sabercats, so you know what, we have to really promote. And you know, at that level, they know how to promote, right? And well, stuff. So, so, so the question is, do you stay small and you keep playing to the Stockton arena size, or do you put your identity well, I th- out there? I think and go it for has to deal level? with part of the, the the closure from the SaberCat standpoint is that the fact the way the league in general has outplayed the the arena management, the Sharks have nothing to do with the arena except for that they're the main primary tenant, and they just signed another twenty-year deal for the arena. It's SVSE that is the is the management for the San Jose Arena, Silicon Valley Sports and Entertainment, and they work for the city of San Jose because it's a city property. Thank you. Thank you. And um, Thank you. we're getting the best service here at Blue Water. So if you want to come down for the yes. good service, come to Blue Water. Yeah. And and a just a quick plug in. If you haven't tried the lobster roll, oh, it is go. to die for. You have you you you're holding on to that lobster roll. I've been, I've been meaning to do this. You have lobster chunks oh, all in. Chunks? That's your choice of Chunks words? of lobster. Believe pizza, me, about believe me lobster. lobster is such at a high level, you can have chunks and it can sound <laughs> delicious still. Yeah. You have lobster chunks. This is our sponsor for the, for the episode. You know, Blue Water Seafood Crab in the downtown, yeah. in the Little Glen area. Yeah, good stuff. Just a mile south of the, the San Jose Arena. Um, and a former post-game spot for the San Jose Sabercats. So, but basically, uh, getting back to it, um, from any league or any sports arena in the country, and they're looking back at saying, this is how, they're saying, in general, this is how the league, the Arena Football League, is being handled and be sponsored, and they're year in, year out, starting to lose teams because of certain situation, financial, legal, whatever, you know, that you have for the type of ownership that's there. The arenas are not being fully committed to opening like they're like you know like all their concession stands uh, to the to the fans come in because they see that there's not that many people. Uh, if you look at the probably the best attending crowd that we had recently was last year Arizona Rattlers at the Cleveland Gladiators Arena Bowl. That had like a sort of like a two catch thing. Um, yeah, it's the Arena Bowl. You got championships. Cleveland's a little bit more centrally located geographically on the map. And then also, it's uh, a chance for Cleveland, the city, to actually have its first professional championship under its belt. The Indians haven't done it. The Browns, oh, not even going to do it for a while. Yeah. You know, and then the the Cavaliers were close. You know, of course, they lost the Warriors. They got spanked by the Warriors. So they didn't get spanked, but it was. Oh yeah. It was. It was was a um, four games to two, man. It was a one-man show for Cleveland. Seem like so the other guy who's the guy that got um, injured, one of their key guys. I, I don't Anyways, follow basketball, okay. that's NBA. We're hearing about the AFL, yeah. And so, there you go, the guy that got injured for Cleveland, yeah. Okay, Tom's on it. The other Tom, yeah, the guy with the good name, Tom. Okay, so, anyways, um, basically, that's where I see how the the, the attendance. So, if, if the attendance was, say, strong as it was before the 2008 breakdown and we're consistent and we just kept on going off that feed, yeah, I think even t- and we kept on going off the feed, I think the, the, the teams would have more of an attendance, you know, year-round. Now, as far as we're speaking for Florida and why they, they are so successful, honestly, I don't really, you know, it's because they're in Florida, I don't personally, you know, pay attention to their marketing schemes, but from my contacts, you know, that I've made, whether it be Arizona Rattler fans in Phoenix, or with Gary there, 
I don't know what the uh, the marketing is of each team. The Sabercats have very poor marketing. Every now and then you'll see the billboard, but the billboard was conveniently located at one of their corporate headquarters right off the freeway. For years, it was really busy graphically-wise. You know, if you're going down the freeway and you look at that billboard, you barely saw what it was. Nonetheless, read information, the website address, phone number to get season tickets, or well, four. And they've calmed down with that. They, they started, you know, making more of a solid print and make it more easy. This past year, it was busy, but the marketing, you know, there was nothing going on with the... A lot of the media here is controlled by San Francisco media, and, and for some reason they don't favor San Jose sports except for the kiss-ass sharks. You know, um, so basically you got the, the San Francisco media not doing good. A friend of mine who writes for the, the Mercury News sports section, he covered the Sabercats, and, but he can only do so much himself. He's the one person, and the Mercury News, whatever. You know, but as far as for video, I think the league needs to do whatever they're going to be working on as far as for their TV deals with continuing on with CBS Sports Network, ESPN, and now this new rumor about they're doing the, the Spanish broadcast game of the week with Univision, which is the largest Mexican you know broadcaster in the in the, in the Western Hemisphere for 2017. Yeah, for, for 2016, next year. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, so we're at 16 already. That's it. Jeez. So basically, with that said and done. There should be ways, even if the game's not nationally broadcasted, there should be ways to somehow grab either whether it be a local TV field if a, if a team is to get a local TV deal or get the arena feed because that is like sort of like a TV quality production that they have at these arenas now to where they can get the feed and they and Arena Football League uses their YouTube channel and does the highlights. And then also I think that on maybe one of these networks or maybe to self-produce, it doesn't take too much to, you know, to really self-produce a TV show nowadays because you can get a couple of HD cameras easily, you know, for less than like, like $300 or $400 depending on what kind of cameras you want. Or if you want like a like a, Can, a Canon T6i, which is a great 1080p camera, you can get three of those for $1,800. And then the, and is that a SLR of, camera? Yeah, it's a DSLR camera. So it looks like a, like a traditional camera, right? Well, not the, like the camera that I want to get for our channel, which is going to be a 4K, $3,000 camera. Which, would, which is a nice all... Yeah, like, professional know, studio kind of camera. But. Yeah, but what, 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 what's crazy is nowadays, it's like you video got up to a certain point. Now, 4K video, of course, you know, that's like the, the future, right? But you got up to a certain point, right? With 4K, I know you're, you're showing that, which is, which is good. 4K camera. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, it's kind of funny how before camcorders were the way to go and all this, you go to... You go to Fry's, you go Best to Best Buy. Buy, you go to all these places now. The actual camcorders, two or three, it looks like things are kind of falling off the shelf. They're not really emphasizing that, but everything's SLR because now, now it's like getting a camera that does video as a secondary because video is such high quality now. It's it's like oh sure we'll throw in video and everything you know it's, it's kind yeah, of yeah I mean you could get you could get a little like you know like a handy cam like, like those Sony handy cams you could get like they're like in your palm you could, I checked on like Amazon and San Jose camera video that you could get a, a 4K camera for like eight hundred nine hundred dollars and YouTube does support 4K broadcast and they support that which is twenty one sixty p and then they go down to fourteen forty p and then they have ten eighty p at sixty frames and then ten eighty p and then the seven twenty sixty frames at seven twenty p and then non HD you know um, so as far as for the league if they were to get some cameras like maybe you probably only need three cameras you'll have like you know the center camera which gets both if you have like two talent on the desks 
for a show or like you're maybe a main host and a, a, a guest host like what we're doing here you know I'm thinking I'm shooting this in HD but I don't know I'm not sure how um, Periscope will, will translate Probably it when depending I on a, a bandwidth you're going to get pixelation and yeah all that you know and this is coming from the front facing camera on my old iPhone 5 that we're doing on Periscope which is a 720p camera and um you can get those people to do the broadcast. So I'm thinking, like, they need to have somehow an AFL weekly show or an AFL live show, which does weekly stuff, to reflect on, go over highlights from the games, you know, talk about the league in general, and then talk about what's moving forward, transactions, news, whatever. And I think they need to get back to having that kind of show and ha putting it on the YouTube channel, and then they can embed it, of course, you know, on their Facebook page, or, uh, I mean, embed it on their website, have, like, special, you know, AFL TV page on their website, and they could broadcast, and then they'll share it through their social media, which the AFL has a Facebook page, they have a Twitter handle, they have an Instagram, they do have a Google Plus page, because it's linked to a YouTube channel that they have, that they, they don't utilize. And then they can, if, if they want to, they could do what this new guy, Arena Rules, or rebroadcast re the games, you know, on their YouTube channel. Like, maybe, like, the game will play, and then maybe within, like, um, a half week later, have it back up, you know, on, on the AFL TV to rebroadcast a game and promote it to get ready for the next set of games. And there's so, you, so, so you know, like, with the NFL, you got the NFL Network, right? 24-7. They do a lot of repeat and everything, but they have something like that, right? So, like, the AFL... Nowadays, with technology and all that and everything, you would think that they would have something more on a regular basis to where... Now, you know, the Sabercats have the Sabercat Weekly, right, and everything. And I'm not sure about other teams. I'm sure they have theirs. I'm not sure about Arizona. Does Arizona... And probably Gary knows. Does, does Arizona have some kind of weekly, like well, the Sabercats I know they, Weekly? I know Arizona, they were doing their local broadcasts on Cox 7, which is uh, basically the... The cables like local. So channel. do they have like a dedicated half hour show, hour I'm, show? I'm week? not sure. I know um, I had to talk to the one of the the social media handlers. Florida has got to have something like that, was, right? Which was with Lindsay. So I made friends with her. But this past season, Arizona didn't have Cox as their partner. They had. I don't even know if they had anybody as far as for local TV this past year. Yeah. So I know when the LA Kiss came in, they had KCAL nine doing their games, and then they. Uh, and then this past season, the 2015, they didn't have TV. I don't even know if Ella Kiss even had radio. Because everybody was doing this ESPN thing, which was kind of crap on how they were doing it. And the audio quality was crap. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting because at the beginning of the season, they didn't even have the scores up. They were just totally getting feed from all the different arenas. And it's like, and then like ESPN kind of like evolved, right? Pretty soon, they st did you notice that? Yeah. Well, they start putting a the learning, scores up, learning procedure. and little by little, yeah, and everything. So, I mean, I think that was pretty good because they're videotaping anyways and stuff. But it's like you would think that somebody is kind of like takes all the trials and tribulations from this year and kind of builds upon. So, I like ESPN because. ESPN3, whether it be the internet or whatever and stuff, right? It's good for the fan because then you can, boom, you can tune in and you can see the games that you're not able to see. Yeah, ESPN3, they, they have a lot of, it's cross We were talking to people in uh, Portland and any time other teams would come to San Jose, for some reason the San Jose feed was screwed up. And they had to deal with the, the way the arena was sort of yeah. treating the cats. Yeah. And also the Sabercats were testing you now doing San Jose Sabercats.tv where um, the son of Fry was building his own server and his own streaming thing. 
of course, you know, it was using Shockwave, and that's also another thing with, uh, with, um, with like, um, watch ESPN, ESPN3. ESPN still uses Shockwave Flash for their streaming of their video, of all their stuff ESPN3 related. The, the technology now for live streaming and, and video online is through HTML5, and that's like what Vimeo uses, that's what Live Nation uses, and that's what YouTube uses. And even Adobe, who makes the Shockwave and Flash players, uh, which is headquartered right here in downtown San Jose, they're going away from that. Because like on mobile devices, like on iPhone, iPhone doesn't ever support Shockwave or Flash. They, they'll play anything HTML5 video-wise. So that's the, the future of the internet. But getting back to producing the show for the Arena Football League, if they were to produce that show locally, whether it be there in Las Vegas or whether we're, like their communications people are in Chicago still, um, they could do it there, and they could you know have it, you know on their YouTube channel, but they could also have it to where they could feed it out to ESPN at CBS, and then then they as part of their their package deal, they could broadcast it. You know, maybe show it on ESPN first, and then have it replay 24 hours later and made it available on ESPN three, and then they could um and as well as their YouTube channel when it gets on ESPN three, and then do CBS Sports Network, and then CBS Sports Network. I don't know as far as for their video capabilities on their website, but that's the thing that they could do. It, it only it only helps everybody because you know they're obviously you know they have some sponsors and and, and s- some of the programming that they have is kind of subject that yeah yeah when you watch that so it would be it would kind of be to their to their benefit to start something like that to where you know, it could still it's not gonna it's gonna start with a handful of people watching. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to go as long as it's going to it's going to grow and develop grow. and sponsor. You know, it, it takes time to evolve. Yeah. You know? yeah. And like one of the things I know that the commissioner Scott Patera is talking about, he he says this team, this will from just not from an individual team perspective on what they can do in their local markets, but the league in general needs to promote and market itself better. Right. And like I said, better utilization, utilization, uh, utilization. I haven't drinking that. You've been drinking something. Uh, utilization. Utilization. Thank you. It actually helps. Yeah, you drink? maybe. Yeah. I'll have a beer or some. But anyways, better use of their uh, website to handle video and to impress um, with their Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus stuff. Uh, I bet a lot of people don't even know that people or that Arena Football is on Google Plus. Um, and then to have, they need to have sort of like maybe where they get college interns, you know, to do the handling of the social media. So like, if you and I or somebody else from another city that has their teams or anywhere just in general in the in the country, uh, curiosity wants to you know say okay I'm doing this blah blah blah, and while I'm here you know visiting this town I'm gonna go check out this arena football game thing, and check it out and see how it's as we're part of a vacation deal during like in the city. Like say like Orlando because that's a high tourist attraction and they have to compete with Walt Disney and Universal out there, you know. So to have do that, you know, that could be a good thing. And then if they say a lot of people when they do that, first of all they check into the arena like how when we do it here we checked into Blue Water, you know. I checked in on on Facebook and I checked on on Google Plus, which is the pages for businesses has changed on how they do things. But I checked in here, you know, to give notification where we're at. So. Like, you know, when I would go to the Sabercats game, I would always check in. Not only would I always check in there from a page standpoint for San Jose's Ninth Man, but I always check in on my personal profile. And then, as far as for the personal profile, I'm able to tag people that I know are, are going to get. So, like, I'll tag Tom, and then I'll tag you, and then I'll tag other people I know. I would tag... I'm Did, you friends with, it? Did you take us today? Yeah. And that's how he knew to come, come in. 
And then I would tag a lot of the players I knew, even from both teams. Because I'm friends with a lot of the players on the Sabercats. I'm friends with a lot of players on a lot of the other teams. I got them contacts. We're friends on Facebook. Yeah, he does a lot of that. He, all the connections. And, and then, you know, I'm also friends, like, you know, or acquaintances with, like, a lot of the, yeah. the management of the team. You know, like Joe Wyndham. I've tagged him, and we chatted during the offseason about stuff and how he's making these big announcements all the time with his, with his transactions in the offseason. So... And Joe Wyndham and I basically see the league at the same as the same way. Is he, is he LA Kiss Joe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's LA he's, Kiss Joe. I he used his, to be. I get his feeds too. He used to yeah. be A Z Rattler Joe. And you know he's very approachable. Yeah. You come up to him. I mean, you know, very, very passionate Tom. about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, like well, no, when we met him, he was sitting down. Yeah. So. He was sitting down with his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's very approachable, nice guy, and everything. And here we are, the opposing team that just you know. We just we just whipped your ass. No, hey, you know what? Don't. <laughs> we we beat them, okay? We didn't whip no, their ass by thirty or whatever. Look at this guy. <laughs> it's all for usually, fun. Usually, he calms me down, right? He he puts me on global ground. Look at this guy. No, well, you know how I would think with beating LA. You know, we beat hey, LA. You know, like, he's, he's rubbing it in right there, huh? No, but you know what? But the thing is, they, in all fairness, LA. That's the only. Well, we would have had the undefeated situation going. Well, that was up here. They beat us up here. Yeah, I know, but, but the it thing had to is, go to overtime to yeah, do it. But the thing is, yeah, but they beat us. Yeah. And that's sort of what yeah. they took pride on beating us. Yeah, last because year. man, it would have been the perfect season. The perfect season. Yes or no? You, you Thanks, could, LA. Appreciate you that. You could say that. You know, well, to say like if the Sabercats were to beat LA and didn't lose that game, whether it be in overtime or regulation. You know, then how would they have you know gone to learn from that game and gone on to the next game who we play? You don't okay, know. You know what? That's yeah, what if. Yeah, you you. Uh, Everything's what if. Yeah, yeah. If we exactly. lose a game, how do we respond to that? If got, we, got if the we continue winning, the back, got the monkey off yeah. the back and started relaxing. Yeah. After that. Okay. So basically, that's the, we're basically way off topic. And I'm. Uh, so what are the what are the top, what well, the topic? We we're getting back on topics. Um, okay, so we Commissioner Patera. Now I wanted. Uh, we're almost down to the last topic. I know this is like an hour and ten minutes. This is great information, great conversation that we're having, which is what we want, and this is what we're focusing on. What we're coming from a fans' perspective, we want the the league to be a little bit more transparent on what they're doing. Right. You know, and uh, instead of secretive. Yeah. I think one of the things they could do to be a little more transparent, I know they, they publish on PDF, I think it's like 14 pages. If you go to ninthmannation.net, on the top, you say AFL rulebook. I clicked on that and went straight to the PDF document that they have. Now, that tells you a whole bunch of rules, but there's some terminology, like for transaction. Inactive, you know, and all that stuff, all the transactions they have. Subjective to interpretation? Yeah, or subjective to interpretation. There's no clear definition. Now, with that said, like I said, I'm, I'm really, really good friends with Steve Watson, who is a former Tulsa Talon and a San Jose Sabercat. He went with us to 2007 Arena Bowl, 2008 Arena Bowl. Unfortunately, he didn't play that game. But he's a great guy. He sat down right next to me last year at one of the games. I, I basically bought him a drink, and I said, hey, I'm kidnapping you. You're, you're coming to sit next to me and, and, and Tom. And, also, and me and him during the third game, I guess it was against Portland, the Portland Thunder game. And we looked up, and we both looked up at the scoreboard just to see, you know, see what the score was. We're like, "Holy crap! Where did the third quarter go? It's fourth quarter now." Yeah. Because <laughs> we were we we're just just chit chatting, yeah. you know. And um, and uh, basically, he he knows what's going on. So going back to the the player standpoint, he would know how to to interact with them. I actually lost my train of thought. Oh, with Butera. 
being more, you know, as far as for knowing the um, transparent, the, the transparency, and basically he could probably provide a clear detail on what some of those transaction terminology words mean. And I might, I'll give him a call or I'll text him and say, hey, with all the transactions that are available in the Arena Football League, no matter how small a transaction deal to how big it is, as far as putting people on inactive reserve, other league exempt and all that stuff, is there a way that you and I could work out like a document that we could provide for the fans so they know when transactions happen on the transaction list, they understand what that. Because, matter of fact, one of the um, one of the parents to one of the former Saberkins, she was questioning about that during the office. And, and I said, honestly, I don't know. I haven't really had time. I, I always wanted to discover that and try to research that information. I had, I, it wasn't, you know, like a forefront of my thought or it was always put on back burner. You know, and, and now today, saying this again, and I'm, re, I'm basically archiving it on our podcast here, saying, hey, I want to get this done. So I'll, I'll reach out even after we're done recording here. I'll, I'll text Steve Watson. And he's actually, he lives in the, the Arizona, the Phoenix area. And I'll say, hey, Steve, is there a way we can work out a meeting and, you know, to get this, this like sort of like a book of definitions for the transactions done, you know, to be a little bit clearer. So, you know, and then from there, then I have to go decide if it's okay if I'm able to even publish it on Ninth Man Nation. And just to help for fans to have a, more of a resource, I want to utilize Ninth Man Nation as a sort of a, like a resource guide for the Arena Football League fans. I want to be a conversational forum, you know, so we could just, you know, share our experiences, share things, our, have a general conversation. If we could get people talking about the league, it's, it's, it, was sl- it was slowly spread like a virus. Slowly, but surely. And the thing is, the fact that it's spreading, even if it's slower than a snail's pace, it's still spreading. Right. And it's doing from the fans' perspective. If you do it from the fans' perspective, you're going to eventually see one or two more empty seats occupied in the arenas. Slowly, but surely. That makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. once we get it out there, that's how I want to do it. And that's what Ninth Man Nation was created for. I actually officially created it and owned the domain and had a website up for the last, I think, like four years now. This is my weird where I'm actually saying, you know what? Even though I, we lost our Saracast here locally here in San Jose. Temporarily. It's, you know, Only temporarily. Uh, we can't really say anything officially. Uh, you know what? I'm saying temporarily. Okay. As a fan, knowing nothing or whatever. Yeah, I know. As yeah. a fan, uh, temporarily, you have and, to you have to have that. Uh, and we'll get attitude. we'll get to that. But um, um, basically, I want to get this as a going. So that's why I'm all over the place on social media. We we have started this podcast as a voice for us. Um, I'm like doing the live stream on on um, Periscope. We did last, oh, two weeks ago on Meerkat. I think Periscope might be the better way to go. Of course, we'll have to work on the video quality a little bit. But you know, everything's you know just a test of progress. You know. And eventually, the live stream from Meerkat going to Periscope, and the reason why I chose Periscope for probably the next few times that we do our shows here is because I could take Periscope and capture the video and then put it on our Ninth Man Nation TV, which is Nation TV, which is our YouTube channel. What's the uh, URL? Well, uh, it's going to be NinthManNation.tv. Okay. I need to actually book that today. Okay. And eventually, also today, Tom and I are going to work on. We're going to get official email addresses today too. So remind me of that after the podcast. Okay. And I'll register our email addresses, and then we'll work out for from a media standpoint. Um, but that's how I want. I want to do things. I want to sort of you know, you could say almost say like run the nation as a business. Sure. That's sort of how I looked out looked and ran Jose's Ninth Man as a business from a marketing standpoint, and that's what I want, and that's how I grew it. 
And when on the last pat on the last episode of the Nation podcast, if you heard Tom and I saying basically that we think San Jose's ninth inning was the, the best fan club in the league, we're not taking best fan club as far as for having the most membership, you know, or being the most successful fan club or, or whatever. Uh, it's just from a standpoint that's visible on the internet. First of all, you start off with the website, and that's where you have the direct traffic to. Our analytics from Google, we were pretty up there. It was growing. It was a steady pace. We had our flat lines, but it was there. Um, and I do a lot of Google analytics stuff. I'm in all that. It's a WordPress site, and I implemented the Facebook feed, the Twitter feed. You can like Google, like us on, follow us on Google Plus. Uh, we also had um, a Periscope channel. We had a Keek channel. And if you don't know what Keek is, K-E-E-K, it's basically a video platform that you're able to record 36-second long videos and then upload them straight there and then share them. And that's what we did. I, and I did a couple episodes or a couple of videos from the games where I got a couple lucky the video was recorded was a good play by one of the Sabercats, you know, and I uploaded them, boom, it was shared. And, of course, Instagram. Tumblr? Oh, yeah. Ninth Man Nation does have Tumblr. San Jose's Ninth Man had Tumblr. Ninth Man Nation, I just joined Tumblr probably like a week and a half ago. So there's very few. So we will have all the details. We'll have a breakdown on the social media part of things for Ninth Man Nation on another episode. But right now, going back to Scavaterra, you know, you know, we dragged that on a little bit. <laughs> See, like, you know, like Tom and I always say, once we talk about AFL, no matter oh, the small you know, you topic to biggest... Hours. You can talk for hours about this stuff. <laughs> We're it's an hour like and 17 minutes into passionate, it. Passionate. Passionate. We know, know that before the show, today's show, you and I were talking while waiting for Tom's arrival that you had called... Thank you for bringing that up. Well, you were, we, we don't all arrive at the same time. I was here before him, and he was here before you. Yeah, I know, uh, I mean, you took the wrong route, uh, but <laughs> I tried to find a shortcut, but it came along. That long hurts. Way. Find the shortcuts always hurts. Yeah. So, anyways, um, you and I were talking that you had a couple of actual physical calls into the office, league office, and of course yeah, you had originally. Let's get back to that. You had originally left the best match, of course, because Patera, yeah. he's a busy guy. But you left your voicemail message on his system, and then he actually did what you surprised me, and he probably went. What the hell is this? Is this really him? It might be. Where's the hidden camera? Where am I being pranked? Yeah, you know, being pumped. So this, that's, that's, that's exactly unusual. You know, that's unusual. Yeah, that so, is unusual for a commissioner. Well, I, was, I was, I was a little irate because they they actually ran a play while with a with our quarterback laying on the field. And he actually ran the play, and I was really mad about that. Which, which game was this? That was... Uh, you mind saying? Or? Yeah, I, I don't remember which game it was, but when uh, Myers got hit, oh. he's laying on the field, Yeah. and they ran the extra point. Oh, that was a Rattler game. Rattler game, yeah. Championship? No, no, no. no. That was during was regular the first, season. The first one in the first one of the season. You know what? Rattler Supercats game? Rattler Supercats game? It's always a playoff game. Yeah. So, so I got really, I, I was really upset. Yeah. Because you know, I mean, that, no sports has ever done that. I mean, oh yeah. That, that's yeah, yeah. a first. It's almost like it's almost like grab them by the ankles, drag them off the field, and start keeping so, in. So I just basically, just basically. No, what they should have done, they should have stopped play, and and waited for the play to, you know, to where exactly. the field was completely cleared. Yeah. And, I, and, and but they and, did, they and, did and, the PAT. And I blame the officials on that because they they wanted to get the game going. And so when I called his office, actually, I, I didn't know where he was at, so I started with Chicago, left a message in Chicago. I was pretty heated by the third phone call I made. And about within, within a couple of hours, I had a phone call back from him. He actually spoke with me. He probably spoke almost an hour. And, and, and for the most part, changed my opinion of, of, of the job he was doing and what he was up against. Um, and you know what? That's important because a lot of people... 
They may see a flash of him on TV. Yeah. They may see him, like for us, we, we saw a lot of presence during the uh, playoff right. and during the arena bowl, during the championship game and everything. And all you really see is him walking up, him doing the presentation and everything and stuff and all that. Um, but it's good to hear this insight because for me, I go like, I'm, I'm the first one to complain usually. Yeah. Just because, you know, it's, it, you, I'm passionate, it's right? It's you and me both. Yeah, I, I, I'm passionate. And you too, too. You too as well. It's like, yeah. you know, it's easy to complain and everything. So I'm glad you're yeah, bringing it was, this up. And, it was, and, and even though my my conversation that I left the message was very pointed. Yeah. Uh, he was very cordial. Wow. He was That's very good. patient. And he, he actually, you know, said that they're going to be making some, some, some changes. And he knows that there's some issues with the officiating. Yeah. I actually called him one, the second time about all the, every play being called as, as, as uh, penalties. Oh yeah. So, you know, to, to Stopping if you, if you stop the flow of the game pretty soon, yeah. it's like it becomes bureaucratic and you get away from the game. And, and he did he did return my call and I, I didn't I wasn't able to get the call, but he did leave a message that he, he knows this is going on, he's trying to make make the right changes. He just doesn't have enough time to do everything all at once. Yeah. Yeah, that, and that's that's re- returns our back there's to a lot of that stuff. He right. needs to come into the league and just watch the league uh, take place to see what happens during the league right. during the season and then from there he can make an assessment of what needs to be improved of course from a fan standpoint a lot of fans are like we need everything now 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 yeah otherwise you're a complete failure yeah so it takes time yeah so, so I, I've got a lot of confidence in, in, in what he's doing um, and we're, we're the direction because he shared his direction you know trying to expand the league but expanding with people who have the wherewithal to sustain to sustain the ups and downs of the league and also as a startup yeah. because it actually is a startup of a company when you you get a team oh, yeah. and so you know I I, I'm, I I say give them a couple of years and then hopefully I'm very disappointed that the cats are gone um, and uh, you know, but I, I'm confident that you know that we'll have a team in the area soon. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping. I've been making phone calls to all the sports owners, leave a message with them. <laughs> you can buy the SaberCats, put it in your arena. Oh, really? <laughs> Sell more that's tickets. That's good. Wow. But, well, know, that's good. So far, nobody's returned my calls. Yeah, but you know what? It, it, it's I'm a crackpot. Like, yeah, you're you're getting the message out well, there. Right? I could say I could probably say this officially that. The King's owner, who is everybody saying that, is probably going to uh, partner up with two business owners out, based out of Stockton. And create a brand new and one of them, And one of them was supposed to be said to be Darren Arbett because he had an ownership stake right. of the Sabercats. Yeah. I'm not sure to the exact amount of his percentage, and he's more on the operational side, uh, as far as football operation side yeah. of things for the ownership for the Sabercats. Yeah. Um, from what I'm saying is that I don't know about our bets standpoint or the other Stockton guy. I don't know all about that. That they were gonna, you know, buy the SaberCats and move them up there. That's not gonna happen. No, I can say that. Yeah, Stockton is gonna get. I mean, Sacramento, the, the King's owner, and, and just is gonna can, do it. And, and, and Stockton cannot be confused with. Sacramento. No, no. I think those are two different situations. The distance right? between San Jose and San Francisco is less than Stockton and Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, Sacramento is probably like an hour and 15 minutes north of Stockton yeah. on a good tra- uh, traffic day yeah. of the 5 corridor and 99 corridor. So, but basically, the team that's coming to Sacramento in 2017 will be owned by the guy that is the majority owner for the Sacramento Kings NBA team. Now, the 2017 season 
will begin, of course, you know, in the spring. The brand new arena in downtown Sacramento will not be open and or not even be done built until like towards like the fall and be ready for so when the Sacramento Kings play. So my guess is that yeah. whether to possibly keep costs down, maybe they'll play the one year in Stockton, or they'll play at the old Arco Arena. That's still around, huh? That's still around. Well, yeah, the Kings are playing there today. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Kings will be playing there until the end of the season, 2016-2017 season. Yeah. Because when the NBA is over, we're basically starting to get to the, the thick of things for, you know... Um, Completion? For arena football. Yeah. So the Golden One Center, which is the new arena in downtown, will be done and open for business by the start of the 2017-2018 NBA campaign. The, which is said is that that will be the end of the 2017 season for the AFL. So the Sacramento team will probably play its second season in Golden One. If that's what, if that's how everything's going to transpire, and that's how I, from the outside, see how it's going to be work. Because I went on to the Golden One's uh, website, and that's how everything's going. I saw pictures of it and all that stuff. Uh, there's even talk saying that, well, first of all, Golden One might not even be, you know, fitted for an arena football team. I mean, who would go in the right mind and spend all that money, hundreds or hundreds of money, arena. on a brand new arena if you're not going to make it multi-purpose? Yeah, and the thing is, it's like it's been consistent to where if you have arena football, it, it's 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 in line and gear for hockey being able to be played there, right? So when they're looking at, okay, we're going to have an arena football team, which arenas are set up for hockey because of the walls and everything and stuff? So the question is, why would, in anyone's right mind, why would they develop a stadium, or an arena, I mean, that is not... From a city standpoint. That is not multi-purpose use. Yeah. Whether you have hockey there, or whether you have, like, a figure skating championship, or whether you have, like, like Disney Stars on Ice, you have all these other options that could come there and use the hockey configuration, open field play, or even, like, if it was a concert venue. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. You know... The hockey configuration in Arco Arena, where the Kings play now, might be a little bit smaller. Sort of like sort of the way that the, the Coyotes did with U.S. Airways Center. It's a, a, a smaller rink. Even when like the Sharks were existence, they played in the Cow Palace. That was a smaller rink than as the, as San Jose Arena. San Jose Arena is the full legit link, rink now, and um, it's one of the bigger um, I think fields in the in the AFL besides you know maybe Orlando, Amway Center, and Tampa Tampa's um, a Molly Center. Molly Arena. So, so that's that's where they're looking at it. Now, that's, with that said, that's what's happening for 2017 for them. 2017 is also going to be the expansion of the Washington, D.C. team. So I looked on and the team, the main company out there that sort of occupies the Verizon Center, which is the main arena that's based in the Chinatown district of Washington, D.C., um, basically is the owner of both the Wizard NBA team and the um, Capitals NHL team. They're called Monumental. And they're building a brand new arena in um, St. Elizabeth East, which is a different is a district in Washington that's outside of Chinatown. And from what I'm hearing, that arena is only going to be built and house 5,000 people. And now 5,000 people in a configuration now it's supposed to be for the Wizards for their practice facility because that's what they're going to use it for a practice facility and I think it's at Washington Mystic or whatever which is the WNBA team that's going to be their home arena so they're not going to be you know playing you know the WNBA it's I guess 
sizing things down yet because you know they're almost extinct as a league. Uh, so that's the the WNBA team in Washington. That's for the Wizard. They're going to move to that smaller arena, and that's five thousand for a basketball. And when you put an arena in a, to a basketball configuration. Usually you get more people. Like when the San Jose Arena is in arena football or hockey, it fits around 17,000. But when you get to, like, say, when the Warriors play there, they can get up to 19,500. It's a big arena for San Jose. And for the area, it's bigger than Oracle or Oakland Arena. So to put an AFL team there, because that's what they're saying, oh, it would be perfect for an AFL team, they're, they're probably only thinking at first, because I think Monumental is somehow looking at their lease slowly coming up with Verizon Center. They may think that they might want a, a new arena. I'm not sure how old Verizon Center, but I know it's not not too too terribly old. But is it is it uh, newer than uh, the San Jose? It might be about the same, you know. Yeah. And uh, there's some speculation saying that Sharks really want nice. a new arena in yeah. San Jose, and there was speculation that the Sharks were going to move to Santa Clara. And the, uh, the property right across the street from Levi Stadium in Santa Clara where the 49ers play. Oh, that golf course? They want That's city-owned. The golf course, the restaurant, and there's like a, Boy, like like a dirt a, bike uh, track. Like a, like a Santana Row? They wanted to put a Santana Row kind of thing. But they said they had the room to put an arena there. And the, there was rumors saying that the Sharks were going to move there and with that new arena. But the reason why they would do that is in order to get out of their contract with their TV deal because they had one of the worst TV deals in the NHL. But beside that... I think the Washington, D.C. area, I think the AFL team in the Washington, um, I think they had one before, like was it the Washington Commandos or something like that? Yeah. I don't know if they're going to say like, keep the same nickname, team nickname, but um, I think they could um, move, play in the Verizon Center. I think that's where they need to play. I don't know where, where things are going to end up. Whatever happened to the Enforcers? All the Indianapolis Enforcers? Indianapolis Enforcers. They look like a like a dog, but then a cop. It's almost like. Did you ever see the logo? Yeah. It was kind of a cool logo. That owner said he was trying to get into the AFL by 2017. Yeah. I mean that's almost the same thing with. Uh, so that's another rumor. There's that rumor about the Austin Armadillos and Mark Palmer, who's right now is sort of under sort of legal issues with the league. Because he's the one that was trying to go to New Orleans his last home game and try to possibly buy the voodoo. And then whether to keep him in New Orleans or eventually move him to Austin. So that what Austin will have two teams, one in the one league, the Austin Armadillos will be in one like little cheap league. Smaller than the, I, I, I don't the think, IFL. I, I don't think at this size of the game for arena football, you can't have two teams in one city. It, it's, it, it's just not feasible. There's not enough fan support but, at this point. Yeah. So basically, and then he went and booed the voodoo over to Austin and play at the University of Texas, where the um, the Austin Wranglers played back in the day. Maybe Austin and San Antonio. That might be a local because Texas is big in football traditionally, but San Antonio Spurs could come back. You know, I knew that um, the Spurs just paid 135 million dollars to renovate AT&T Center. They moved the um, the WNBA team to the the Freedom, you know, uh, arena. Which is a smaller arena and it could house an arena football team there, but it'll be smaller. Because uh, when I saw the configuration of the ho- uh, the hockey figure, because the San Antonio does have a minor league hockey team, I think in the AHL, and um, from a standpoint where you know, it's like you know, the jumbotron of every arena is basically dead center of the arena. It wasn't so this this 
<laughs> it wasn't so an AT&T Center. It was dead center. If you had the basketball configuration at AT&T Center for the Spurs and then for their WNBA team, you go to midcourt, you look straight up, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. The, there's the Jumbotron. But now, if you go and say, okay, we have to have our hockey team play, it's so they set. move out, yeah. it's, it's now all of a you got yeah, center rink all, here, and then the Jumbotron here, yeah. and Obviously, two different configurations. And then on uh, one side of the arena was a, a pitch black wall. Yeah. There was no seats there. They had to basically move all the way back to the wall. Yeah. I don't know what they did as far as the, for the remodeling job. It was $135 million. I know they didn't do much as far as for the Jumbotron. That doesn't get you a lot of doesn't get you a lot of renovations. $130 no. million nowadays. So I don't know what's going on with that. But I'm thinking that the Spurs might come back in 2017 uh, with the Talons. Or 2018. But one thing I know, and I don't know if Butera, during your conversation with Butera, tell you this, but he's getting back to the old style on the way they announce teams. They'll do it like during like media day at the Arena Football League or the Arena Bowl celebrations. And they'll say, okay, team, let's say, like, let's say Washington and Sacramento. Okay, they're going to get new teams. We're announcing them. But the thing is, they're not going to come play the very next season. We're going to give them a whole season to get themselves acclimated yeah. to and get their dealings, get their marketing, get their branding, get their their name out in their little home markets. So, but they'll start play in 2017. That makes sense. And that's what it says. Yeah. So they're basically yeah. doing a whole year forecasting that these new teams to come in. It's like <coughs> this so-called new deal that they're having with Univision. Univision is supposed to be the, the Spanish broadcasting partner for the AFL. 2017? For uh, 2016, next year. It's coming up season. And what they're so going to do... teams, though, aren't going to be... But the teams won't come play. The three, the so-called three teams, if this even comes through. Mexico City, Monterey... No, they don't have the locations. It's not big cities like that. No. Uh, Mexico. That's what I heard, but it's all rumors at this point. Univision will do the thing as a way to get into the league, and then 2017, they're supposed to have three ownerships, three teams that they own. Which a lot of people might think that's a conflict of interest that a, a broadcast network owns a team. So, and I also, I think from a, from where the league is at now, I think the league needs to stay out of being out of other countries. They need to focus, again, the, the heart of America and the team here. Like AFL strong. China? AFL China. I've always, always espoused that they just stay Yeah, exactly. Get it right here first. Yeah. I mean, look, even the NFL as a powerhouse, they've tried NFL Europe. It hasn't worked, right? And that's the freaking NFL, right? How can the AFL think that they can come in and everything? Yeah. It's, anyways. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that the AFL thing in Mexico is good. Now, whether to keep Odovision as a broadcast partner, that's one thing. You know how they're going to work that deal out. Whether it's going to be like the way we just discussed. You know, one year they're going to be they're going to be broadcasting their game of the week or whatever next season, and then 2017 own their three teams, or whether they the Butera you know rethinks that whole deal. Now, hopefully, if Butera does listen to our podcast, which I hardly doubt it, he's got other things to do. But if he does, but I he hope he does listen to his messages. So yeah, maybe maybe John here he, he <laughs> could call him. Maybe, up maybe say, John, you can say, hey, I'm going to be on the. Uh... I'm going to be yeah. on the night yeah, the yeah. Nation well, podcast, you know. Angry again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, basically what we could do is um, we could call Patera and say, hey, we think the deal with Univision is a good idea, but the fact that how them have their own teams or have any anybody own teams in Mexico, especially the way the, way the country is right now, being so corrupt, not a good idea, especially for the league that only having eight teams. 
You know, I say let's get back to the heart. I mean, let's get this league, you know, um, viable. Let's get this league big again. Let's get to where we could, you know, get close to at least a 10,000 seat average in every single arena in the league. Let's let's do this. Let's get where we don't get the arena ball cut off on put on ESPN News for the first 20 minutes of the game, and we're still delaying the game physically, you know, because the arena ball was supposed to start this past year at four o'clock, and it didn't start until 4:15 because they were trying to drag it out just to get back over to on ESPN. Oh yeah, can you believe that? And even we're the league, around. we're sitting around. When the league paid paid money to broadcast their game on that channel and they didn't get that channel because of some other minor sport. How about moving that minor sport to the other channel and putting us on? You know, but no, we get the you know we get the leftovers. It's all politics. Yeah, you know, and that needs to stop. We need to get to where we get the priority. Yeah, having a relationship with ESPN is good because they have like ESPN three where you could do non T V games and all that stuff and for those road fans that their team doesn't do broadcast you know, that's a good way to watch it, you know, uh, and have viewing parties where each of the, the fan clubs of each team come in, meet at a restaurant, and are able to watch your games. I think each team needs to, if they're going to have a local TV broadcast deal, I think it's more important to, if, whatever the budgetary mean of that team is, to focus on getting the deal to where the road games are broadcasted, not the home games, only from the standpoint to where... You want where fans can't attend the road games, they could still watch it. You know, yeah, they're already coming to the games, so it's good for them to watch it. And they could probably bring a, a friend, a relative here or there, and they can come in and they see all the fans out, and see, they grow relationships, and then they just sell marketing, you get more people in the seats. And then, slowly from here and there, once we get more reports in, you could chip away and start broadcasting some of your home games. And then, once you know you're averaging, say, between 11 and 12,000 people in your seats, or, or your average of 10, but if you're in the five-figure digit and you're averaging and it's, it's a strong average that you're doing on a consistent basis, then you can go say, let's chipping maybe having one or two games you know, broadcast at home on local TV for the fans who cannot make it to the game because they have other plans or whatever. So so during the uh, height of the Arena Football League uh, in San Jose, wasn't it like 13, between 11 and 13? Yeah. 1,000 fans? Yeah. yeah and I, think I mean, that was, that, was, that was pretty good. That was like, other than like a big major game, that was uh, 3,000 shy or 4,000 shy of capacity, you know? I mean, that's, that's, that's big league. That's getting right there. I think well, we need to sort of start wrapping things up here. We still have one more point of topic, yes. which is actually a two-pointer. And we're already like an hour and 37 okay. minutes into this. Go ahead, let's wrap it up. See? <laughs> Are we going to have anything out. left for next week? Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's not difficult to come yeah. up with. And depending, we're also making shit yeah. Like I said at the beginning, we were supposed to have some of the former players come on. I've reached out. A lot of the former players can't. It's just a scheduling thing. You know, people are, players are making moves right now for whether it being free agents and they go back to their home base or whether they're relocating to the new team that they got picked up to. Or retiring. It, you know, or they're retiring, you know, yeah. whatever. Which, if yeah, Reggie, hey, Reggie Gray, if you're we, listening we to this, we haven't even got the training. Do camp. not retire, man. Once you're too start, valuable of a player for oh, this he's league. He's not going to retire. Yeah, no, man. He's, um, he's got three more years. I bet he comes out of retirement when Chicago Rush come back. He pulls a Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we've talked about this before. He could be banged up and everything, Reggie Gray. He could be banged up. He could be on crutches. He was banged and all up for the sudden, Yeah. He could be banged up. He's on crutches. And then once he hears hike, boom, crutches are off. And he's like full form, 100%, 150, 200% foam. 
touchdown. So let's go over now with the, the 2016 schedule, and then the second part after we go to the second schedule is the Arena Bowl, uh, the road trips that Tom and I are going, and I think John may decide on going to at least one of them. Yeah, they're good. They're they're fun. So we're gonna go week by week here, real you want, quick. You want to look any yeah. of those over or anything? So week one uh, it begins on Friday, April first, April Fool's Day. What a day to start the Arena Bowl! The AFL that it's already thinks that everybody thinks it's a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so let's go. April first, we got the Philadelphia Soul at Cleveland Gladiators. Now, I've heard on an, on a buddy's podcast, um, Jason Jones Coffee House, yeah. AFL Coffee House, Coffee Jones. He had a couple of the Philadelphia Soul and you know some of the Cleveland Gladiators on on his podcast. Yeah, and you know. That is a bitter rivalry right there. People might not think of it. They probably thought, like, you know, it's Philadelphia versus Pittsburgh Power. No, it's 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 Cleveland versus Philadelphia. That's a rivalry right there in that area. I mean, it might be not naturally known as a rivalry the way that the Sabercats and Rattlers were or the war on I-4 only because you have, like, a freeway issue connecting, which I don't think is a true rivalry because of that. <coughs> but we're not there in, you know, Florida. The Floridians out there might think Florida otherwise. loves their football. Yeah. Florida loves the, their football. Florida diehard fans. But foot, you just have to mention foot and ball in Florida. And if they're not on a beach partying or tanning or whatever, they're all into that. <laughs> um, so Philadelphia Soul at Cleveland Gladiators. I think that's a good matchup. You got the cue that's going to be rocking that night. I know it's a Friday night, so it's at... 4 o'clock our time, 7 p.m. there in Cleveland. Yeah. So what do you think, John? What do you think about that game? I, I think it's, a, you know, both teams. Cleveland had kind of a rough year last year. But I think that, um, you know, Philadelphia, had a, they both had kind of rough years, bouncing back from, you know, their championship the year before, uh, championship run. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight game, though. I think that, uh, personally, I think that Cleveland's going to come out ahead this year. So do you think that Cleveland made more moves, even though they lost their main quarterback, Shane Austin's now with Portland? I, I think I think that they, they, they're going to make the right moves. I think that sometimes when you when you make some moves and you, you get some new blood in there, it really invigorates a team. Yeah. I don't know about you, Tom, but I haven't heard any news about who the main quarterback is going to be for Cleveland. You know, uh, uh, Cleveland is kind of a... Um I want to see it's it's kind of an unknown. It can go one way or another because when you throw in a new quarterback, um, now the last two years, this past season, the year before, Cleveland, right? Cleveland going trying to go for undefeatedness, going in, and they lose to Arizona, right? And that whole disappointment. Yeah. Philadelphia this year, you know, as strong as the SaberCats were. You think on the other side, first team you think is Philadelphia, right? right. Boom, they got upset and everything. Boom, that's why uh, um, Jacksonville, right? Yeah, but they got yeah. Beat so by it's like so really like it's like the year before and last year these two teams are like this, but with one without a quarterback, it all depends because you can have a Grebe and uh, uh, you know Dutton come in. And a quarterback comes in and boom, because he has all the elements around right. him, and he's a halfway decent quarterback to come over and take it over. It's kind, of, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really a crapshoot. Those two teams have been at such high levels the last one or two seasons and everything. Will that quarterback play? Look at Dutton, Dutton and Green yeah. that year. So it's a crapshoot. 
And so now, and then the second game we have is the Orlando Predators at Tampa Bay Storm. So the war on I-4 takes place a half an hour later. And then we go on onto the West Coast. We swing out here. And we've got the Arizona Rattlers taking on the Portland Thunder in a, in a, in a conference rivalry. I was going to say division, but we, we, they screwed everything up with the rivalries and all that stuff. Yeah, it's not conference. It's not division. Well, it's, it's considered conference now. It, but you It's know. 18, so right. it, it yeah. is what it is. And then we got on Saturday, we got the Jacksonville Sharks, the defending American Conference, at the, the revamped, revitalized L.A. Kiss. The L.A. Kiss with... Nathan Stanley at QB, Omar Smith the head coach, Rodney Fritz as one of their, their, their linemen, defensive ends. You know, and they got Donovan Morgan. Oh my God, who they got? Who else they got? You they know got what? Tyron we don't, Gord. Even, we don't even know where the SaberCat players are going. Well, we, they got those players. Those are confirmed. Those are confirmed. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is you have no idea how many other players because it seems like the place to go this year is LA. Yeah. Because you know Omar Smith being on the coaching staff, being a you know long time uh, saber cat, you know behind the scenes he's scrambling to get anybody he can and everything. I would if I yeah. was, and he, and he has those relationships established. I think LA might be the team to beat this year. I have to agree. I think LA and Arizona are the top two teams, but I think LA might have a slight edge over Arizona. Yeah, Arizona's still good. I mean, you can't count them out. They got a great quarterback. They got great staff, you know. They have that 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 you know that that base and everything. Yeah. And you also got the return of Sila Burley to Arizona. Now. Oh yeah, yeah. As a coach, coach. as a coach, and I yeah. think a general manager too, or head yeah. of football operations. Yeah. You know, so yeah. So knows, and he's he's got his little uh, feet wet with coaching yeah. Orlando. I think that's going to be the new uh, uh, rivalry. So yeah, you're going to have L.A. and Arizona. They're so close. Six-hour drive. Four hours, six hours, yeah. Four hours, six hours, yeah. So, yeah, I know a lot of the, um, the Arizona's ninth man is already, you know, posting on Facebook, okay, let's let's go. We got these two games that the Rattlers play in Anaheim. Let's go talk about our bus trips out there, you know. So they're talking. So and, and as a feature of um, the Jacksonville Sharks to L.A. Kiss game, that's the game that Tom and I are going to go to for that week. So we're gonna we're gonna travel down to Anaheim on the week one game. Yeah. So and we're gonna go down there basically because yeah we got the former SaberCap trio that's down there now and whoever else they decide to pick up in the and between now and and the time the game the the season starts but we got friends there like Brian Fox who has the fan club there we're getting to know Joe Windham he's a great guy and. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's just great fans. We also got some other fans that I know, like Justin Hayes on Facebook. He wants to know if we're coming up there. We're coming down there. And, and then you got um, David and his wife that, that sat uh, next to us, actually, during last year's game, Sabercats and Kiss. And so, with that said and done, we are making good friends down there. You know, and I've gotten to talk to even some of the LA Kiss girls, you know. And they they like the league. They like, you know, they're, they're good people and, and they're good ambassadors for the league. So, and you see them, I see their postings out, they're all over the place in the L.A. area, Anaheim, L.A. area, you know, promoting, you know, the KISS brand for football-wise, not the rock group, but the football KISS brand, yeah. you know, at different local events. And you don't, I don't see that with too many of other teams besides maybe the Jacksonville Shark Dancers. Yeah. You know, and I think Jacksonville Sharks and I think L.A. KISS are probably the two most active AFL teams on social media, period. 
and that's where I think that the league needs to improve, and each team in their individual market needs to improve. Yeah. And that's just that's free. Social media is a free way to get your name yeah, out there. That's like that's that's an easy. You thing. may have all these followers, you but utilize a, those followers. You get get one of the millennials, the new generation kids yeah. involved. Throw them in as well, an intern. College intern. Yeah, college intern and stuff. Marketing. A lot of the big. I mean, you know, even my company that I work for, it's like a large population is millennials. Yeah. Because that's the new way of kind of driving everything. Okay, so to continue on this 2016 session, now we're just going to go. That was just week one. Our next episode will go over week two when we think about it. Here's the week two lineup. Uh, Saturday, April 9th, Tampa Bay Storm at Cleveland Gladiators. Portland Thunder at Orlando yeah, Predators. Arizona Rattlers at Los Angeles Kiss. And then on Monday, April 11th, oh. Jacksonville Sharks at Philadelphia Soul. Uh, week three... We got Friday, April 15th, Orlando Predators at Jacksonville Sharks. Saturday, April 16th, LA Kiss at Cleveland Gladiators, Tampa Bay Storm at Arizona Rattlers. And then Sunday, April 17th, Portland Thunder at Philadelphia Soul. Week four, we got on Saturday, April 23rd, we got Cleveland Gladiators at Philadelphia Soul, Arizona Rattlers at Jacksonville Sharks, Los Angeles Kiss at Orlando Predators, with Portland and Tampa having buys. Week five, we got Orlando Predators, Cleveland Gladiators, Portland Thunder, Arizona Rattlers, Jacksonville Sharks at Tampa Bay Storm, and Philadelphia Soul at LA Kiss. Week six, Tampa Bay Storm at Philadelphia Soul, Jacksonville Sharks and Cleveland Gladiators, Arizona Rattlers at Orlando Predators, LA Kiss at Portland Thunder. Week seven, we got Portland Thunder at Cleveland Gladiators, Tampa Bay Storm at Orlando Predators, which is the continuum of the war on I-4. And the Arizona Rattlers at Philadelphia Soul Open, Jacksonville Sharks, L.A. Kiss. That would um, be a good game to go to, Tampa Bay, Orlando. Yeah, that would be a good game, but, you know, affording the cost to fly across country is kind of high. And then to get hotel and travel and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, week 8, Orlando Predators, Philadelphia Soul. Portland Thunder at Jacksonville Shark, Cleveland Gladiators at Tampa Bay Storm, and Los Angeles Kiss at Arizona Rattlers. Different picture. And that's gonna be that's gonna be our other other road trip. LA, LA Kiss at Arizona Rattlers on oh, May twenty first. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Gary, if you know there, that's the drop hint. If you're watching, on, if you're still watching on Periscope, if not, uh, we thank you for joining us. But yeah, Arizona Rattlers hosting LA Kiss May twenty first. Tom and I will be there. So um, Saturday, May twenty eighth. Week 9, Philadelphia Soul, Cleveland Gladiators, Jacksonville Sharks, Orlando Predators, Portland Thunder, LA Kiss, Arizona Rattlers, Tampa Bay Storm. Week 10, Arizona Rattlers, Cleveland Gladiators, Philadelphia Soul, Jacksonville Sharks, Tampa Bay Storm, Portland Thunder, and Orlando Predators at LA Kiss. Uh, week 11, Jacksonville Sharks, Tampa Bay Storm, LA Kiss at Soul, Cleveland Gladiators at Predators. Thunder at Rattlers. Week 12, uh, Soul at Rattlers. Predators Just at Sharks. Kiss at Tampa Bay Storm. Gladiators at Thunder. They're only playing 16 games this week. 13, Tampa Bay Storm, yeah. Predators, Gladiators, Sharks. 18, Soul at Thunder. And Rattlers at That's LA Kiss. Sad. Week 14 is during July 4th. That week, everybody has off. And then week 15, Gladiators at Soul, Sharks at Rattlers, Storm, Kiss, Predators at Thunder. Week 16, Predators at Rattlers, Soul at Storm, Gladiators at Kiss, Sharks at Thunder. Week 17, Gladiators at Rattlers, 
Thunder at Storm, Kiss at Sharks, Predators at Philadelphia Soul, week by. Wow. In the final week, Storm at Sharks, Soul at Predators, Kiss at Thunder with Rattlers and Gladiators. Then the playoffs begin. And then the playoffs. And no, no schedule has been announced for the TV broadcasting yet. We will have that information on the Ninth Man Nation website. Also on the calendar page, I will right now I have the first two weeks up, but I'll have the entire schedule up on the Ninth Man Nation calendar as far as for future podcast dates. So that's where we're going. We discussed briefly the, the two games that Tom and I are going to. Um, so we got that road trip. We have a plan to go to the was it the Philadelphia Soul at Portland Thunder game too. And those will be our three regular season games and then hopefully we can get to go to the Arena Bowl. So that's what we're working on. Now next week we will have uh, during the off season our podcast schedule is going to be like every other week. And this this particular podcast episode two was supposed to be done last week, but due to the illness we couldn't get together and do it. So we're doing it this week, and then next week we'll do our back to normal schedule. We'll have our third episode next week, and next week we may have a surprise you know guest. I'm going to actually try to get Steve Watson on. I've already communicated to him. He wants to be on. We just have to go side with our schedules, as do like a lot of the other players I've talked to. We just have to work our schedules out and be availability. So it might be a different issue with as far as we're doing any kind of live stream on Periscope or you know on YouTube and go there. But I think we're going to be on Periscope, you know, for a while. Skype or something? Yeah, um, Steve and I are going to probably Skype each other. Um, Now, as far as for Tom and I, we might have to be in the same room because I haven't worked out group calls on Skype yet and I don't want to take a chance of risking it yeah. you know to have a three way calling I'm able to record that we, audio we have to start at three hours in advance in case I have to drive did, practically did, did we, didn't we do something like that at our job three way conversation we did actually a four way I think we, we could four do squares. a Google Hangouts but you know I don't like the quality of video FaceTime yeah oh was it FaceTime yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the quality of uh, video fire, for um, Google Hangouts, so that's that's cheesy. So I would prefer to do a Skype. I have special software where I could capture the audio just right and the video quality and everything would be in 720p HD and everything will work out. But like I said, it all depends. We will have probably another fan whether John comes back for another week or we'll have another fan and we'll have that on board and we'll talk about it. So as we're Nailing the two-hour mark. We made this into like a little mini-movie. Jeez. I thought we were going to do, what What was the first episode? 36 like, minutes. 36 minutes. Apparently, uh, we didn't have a whole lot to talk about back then. Yeah, but, well, that was more of a, a welcoming kind of thing. Yeah. I'm going to say for future episodes, we're going to actually try to be, like we said, we're still, this is a, a work in progress, like Tom said last week. This is still a work in progress, as we know, we went over, and we went more like storytelling yeah. than we did when we were saying, boom, 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 cut, and we didn't have anybody to say, hey, you got to cut, go to the next segment, go to the next segment. Yeah. So, and we got people that were watching the live stream that I'm sure are, are, are tired of watching us on video for two hours. We look we, so pale, don't we? Yeah. I mean, Gary Royal is not there anymore, I don't think. I know there's one viewer, but I know that how that counts. All right, viewer. Die hard. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Unless that's us, you know, watching us, you know, because oh, we're really? in. Oh, I don't, I don't know how that works. You know yeah. what? Don't even tell me that. <laughs> I want to I, I I wanna think... That there's somebody else watching us out there. Yeah, and I think I'm gonna put this Periscope uh, video on our YouTube channel. Oh, good. Uh-huh. Okay. So I'm gonna try to get it. So that way we have exposure and get people to watch us. I know. Also, Gary tried to invite people to be invited, which oh, we really? appreciate Gary for that. You saw that? Yeah, I saw that. Wow. I was, when you guys were talking, I looked over and said, wow. "Gary invited friends." I had no idea. Look at this. 
<laughs> He's, he has three eyes. The guru. <laughs> yeah. What do you say about my third eye? <laughs> so, anyways, okay, let's wrap this up. All uh, right. We want to thank John for coming out this thanks, way. John. 45 minutes north. Yeah, thanks for having 45? me. 45? Yeah. Enjoy it. Santa Cruz to You know what? Day. It's like the, at least the show is longer than you drive, so that's I'm good. I'm going back to the beach. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Can you believe this guy? Tom and I have some more things we have to work out and discuss and all that stuff and, and working on the computer here. But, you know, we thank you, John, and hopefully we'll have you on some more shows. Yeah. Put some yeah, more calls on the commissioner. Yeah, Spread it. some word about the Ninth Man Nation, you know, and say, oh, hey. We're, we're going, and we want, and if you can, maybe even try to have Commissioner Patera to be on our show. If he's there, you know, just I'll just say, just say, you and him have been through war together. <laughs> so maybe you know, when two compadres, even they're the comrades, and you know, I, I, Yankees, I bet you, I bet they can kind of get together. I bet you he would get on with you just to kind of, yeah. You know, your like I said on. last, la, our last episode, I played all worked out with Steve Watson, so yeah. maybe we'll have him next week. Yeah, all depends yeah. on scheduling. I've always slightly hinted towards Anthony Heron that this was going to happen. I don't know if he's heard the first episode or not, or seen it. I'm sure he's seen some of my shares on Facebook, but I don't think he's realized that we're actually in progress of yeah. this going on right now, taking place. I want to have Anthony on too. So, and then also BJ Pickard, who was doing the AFL's version of their podcast, but has stopped for whatever reason. You know, so they need to keep doing that and, and have that up. You know, and then we'll have Jason Jones Coffee House. He has his own podcast he does, and he works with Ron Jaworski. Then we can get Jaws on. That, that's going to be tough. John or Ron? Jaws. Jaws, oh. Yeah, Ron Jaworski. But in the meantime, Jason Jones, Coffee House, he has his own podcast. I've already reached out to him. He's always, he's a thumbs up to be on the show. It's all about the scheduling, and we're not in a hurry to get any of these people on the show. It's a step-by-step process that we're doing, and we want to make sure that when we get people on the show, especially of that kind of caliber, that we're doing it right, and we have the right quality. I don't want to do. I don't record phone calls. So it's, if it's going to be anywhere that's you can't come here locally to us, like the way you did, and it's going to have to be through Skype. That's how it's going to be because Skype I can see being the only the best quality I can deal with. Yeah. As far as for the other end of user, I have you know of course my microphone here that we record on. And it's a, it's a professional you know blue microphone, high end quality. Um, that will sound my end on the Skype call. It would sound great. But now, as far as for the microphone that the other end user uses, I can't control that. That's up to them. So, but I could, you know, we could try and make it. It'll be a better conversation than we did in like over Google Hangouts or we did where I know some people, you know, do a phone calls. I don't know how to call and record phone calls. I don't have that software capability. So, and that'll be scary if I did. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we're. Three minutes late, two and a half minutes away for two hours even. So, thanks again, John, for coming up. You're a Sabercat supporter for how many years now? 20, 20, 20 years. Oh, 20 right, years. Man. All right, man. That, that says a lot, man. I'm, I'm 15. Tom is 20 years also. 95? So, roughly 18, 19 years. Yeah, so uh, we Appreciate thank you for coming. Um, yeah. This has been uh, your second episode for the Nation Podcast. I'm Eric Thoreau. I'm Jones. And Jeremy. And Jeremy Ray is our guest. And we'll see you. We'll talk to you next time. All right. At our next episode next week. Thanks. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks.